What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. The episode today, just want to give you a little bit of setup for it. Uh, it came about from a back and forth that Bang and Pierre, so that's Bang Bitcoin. He's a pseudonymous Bitcoiner who's actually been on the show before. And Pierre Rochard, who is well-known Bitcoiner, memer, uh, treasurer of the Nakamoto Institute. Uh, they were having a back and forth on Twitter around topics of Bitcoin and God and religion. And uh, Bang had read my recent article, Money Messiah, and he asked me if I'd be open to having a discussion between the three of us on the podcast. And I've been, if you've been listening to this show, you've noticed that I've been digging into these topics a lot lately. <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um, you know, I just can't really avoid it. You know, that as I pursue greater understanding about Bitcoin, but also greater understanding about, you know, life in general and myself, uh, I, my mind continues to wind up in the domain of asking these questions and noticing or perceiving interesting parallels between the domain of Bitcoin and money and the domain of religious thought and thinking and spirituality and the deepest, you know, most meaningful or highest principles and values that uh, we experience. And so uh, I, I can appreciate that this exploration well, might not be of interest to some, and, you know, that's just the way it is. You know, I'm here to pursue my own interest and my own understanding. And, you know, I, of course, I appreciate it that I, it, it, it brings me joy to know that people uh, enjoy it uh, and, of course, support it. But, you know, I'm here for me ultimately, and this is just where my mind is going. And but I'm having a lot of these conversations recently and I can appreciate it if it seems somewhat repetitive. But, you know, these are challenging topics to grapple with that require a fair amount of understanding of so many different domains and perspectives. And it's, you know, it's, I feel tremendously lucky that there's so many other Bitcoiners that are, uh, have thought about these things before and they're well read and, and articulate and they, they want to engage in these discussions. But I also recognize that maybe it seems repetitive. And, um, I guess my response to that would just be like, this is challenging shit, you know? And so, you need to have a lot of these conversations and even though maybe the substance of them will there'll be a lot of overlap uh, I do it and I continue to do it because I, f I feel an impulse to continue digging around in here to try to you know carve out some nuggets or some insights that I can then use to refine my perspective and then you know move forward with a better understanding and I also sometimes feel like as, as far out and as uh, outlandish as some of these notions or ideas may seem, I think if you're really trying to push the bounds of knowledge and understanding, especially in relation to a new phenomenon like Bitcoin and in relation to some of the, the most, you know, the most challenging ideas, i.e. in the spiritual religious realm, you have to risk going too far to know that you've gone far enough. And so maybe some of these ideas and notions are, I mean, almost certainly that some of them will be walked back through the course of time and, and, you know, my perspective and thinking will change, but I just have a very strong uh, suspicion or intuition that there's something of extreme value to be uh, derived from pursuing these conversations and these ideas and this line of thinking. And that's why I continue to do it. So I guess that's just my way of saying uh, maybe expect more of such conversations from the podcast because 
it really is taking up a lot of my uh, you know cognitive space these days because I found I find it all incredibly fascinating, if also incredibly weird. But that's one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin. It's freedom money, and it's giving myself and I know a lot of you the opportunity to uh, kind of let your freak flag fly a little bit. You know, uh, discover what it is to be your authentic self and be free and and capable and comfortable expressing and exploring that you know so if myself and my guests and these discussions have to get have to get a little weird uh to do that then i'm certainly willing to be a participant in that process so anyways i hope you guys enjoy this discussion with bang bitcoin and pierre rochard but first of course i'd like to thank the sponsors who support this show, who make it easier for me to justify the time commitment required to uh, pursue this understanding and to get prepared for having conversations like this. First up is CoinKite, makers of the cold card hardware wallet, the gold standard for hardware wallets in the Bitcoin space. You need to be taking custody of your coins. I'm sure many of you know that, but if you don't, now you do. Get them off exchange, get them into your custody. The cold card hardware wallet is a great way of doing that. If you're looking for a more robust custody setup, then the cold card is compatible with many of the multi-signature schemes out there, something like Unchained Cap or Spectre or many others. Um, and of course, CoinKite has a lot of other stuff that you need to uh, be self-sovereign over your Bitcoin and also have a bit of fun with it. So it has steel plates for you to punch your mnemonic phrases in and spread out securely wherever you determine is best. Open dimes for transacting physical Bitcoin, loading up an open dime and giving it to someone and having them uh, have that bare asset as Bitcoin. The Block Lock Mini, which is a great little thing to have on your, your shelf to confuse friends and family about what exactly it is you're tracking, sats per USD, block height, uh, and you can actually check an open dime balance on it. So lots of fun stuff. If you're interested in checking out their wares, go to coinkite.com. And if you're in Canada and you're stacking sats, I highly recommend Bull Bitcoin for doing so. It's a non-custodial exchange, which means you send your money there, you buy Bitcoin, and when you buy Bitcoin, you give them an address for your self-custody so that as soon as it's purchased, it goes to your self-custody. And so by doing that, you reduce the risk of anything weird, nefarious, what have you, happening at the exchange level. As we always say, not your keys, not your coins. And a non-custodial exchange means that you never have that problem. They're always your keys. They're always your coins because as soon as they're purchased, they go to your control. Also, those guys are the same people behind BitcoinSupport.com. So if you or more likely a friend or family member is interested in Bitcoin, recognizes you know the importance and the value of it in this world that we're rapidly moving into, but is apprehensive about it or doesn't know how to get things set up properly, uh, this service is for them. It's a white glove, hold your hand service to make sure that you're buying and custodying Bitcoin properly, that your setup is secure, that you don't make mistakes, that you don't lose coins, that you're not uh, subject to theft and fraud and all that kind of stuff. So a very helpful service for probably a lot of people realistically, but in my case, I use it for all those people that I'm, constantly talking about Bitcoin too, but don't have the time to actually help them get set up, I can just direct them to bitcoinsupport.com. And finally, the Bitcoin 2022 conference at the Miami Beach Convention Center on Miami Beach, April 6th to the 9th. 
I can't wait. I fully intend on being there. Uh, three times bigger than last year. So many great events surrounding it. And then you've got a bunch of amazing speakers. Michael Saylor is going to be there. Jack Mallers is going to be there. Elizabeth Stark is going to be there. Nayib Bukele, president of El Salvador, is going to be there. And apparently he has some big announcement to make again this year. And uh, the biggest Bitcoin music festival ever, and maybe the first Bitcoin music festival ever, the Sound Money Fest, is going to be happening as well. And uh, lots of great acts. Headlining is Steve Aoki and Logic, which is insane. So I just think it's going to be an incredible time. Last year was amazing. It was so cool to meet so many of you and all the other people and plebs. And, you know, that's what I did for most of my time. And it just seems like this year it's going to be bigger and better and more celebration of the Bitcoin culture and this phenomenon that we're all a part of. So if you want to go, use the code RAPIDFIRE at checkout, whether you're getting a VIP ticket or a normal ticket or just for the Sound Money Fest or whatever, uh, get 10% off by using that promo code and I hope to see you there. Let's do it. Exciting times. Fuck, man. Ish. <laughs> well, kind of. I mean, it's pretty cool what's going on right now. Uh, Rogan even mentioned it. Yeah, a lot of people are, are perking up. Everyone except the fucking corrupt piece of shit media in Canada. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And, uh, and the PM who's uh, got sick. It's so it's so good. I mean, oh come on, you I mean, can't even write that. I mean, that's, that's, that's... <laughs> even if nothing comes of any of this, just the display of cowardice is, you know, is going to have an impact on some people. And you know, it's it's all so absurd. You know, he and so obvious. I mean, fuck, man, we we live in such a clown world right now. Well, it's. I mean, you want to you want to talk. I mean, I never call the peak, but man, that we're close to the peak <laughs> when he when he calls himself. Uh, calls himself sick for five days it's unbelievable yeah. just from exposure negative test triple vax but i'm gonna withdraw from society just just it's the right thing to do god man i try right I, I try do. i try not to hate and, and and be too frustrated by people and you know see see the glimmer of good in almost everybody but man that guy's a piece of shit yeah i mean <laughs> you know it's like um I, i'm the same like i, I really and maybe this is something we'll touch on, but like, I, I really don't espouse anything to do with like, you know, even in this world where you see people and their incentives are so misaligned and they do seemingly the darkest shit. It's like the, like, I, I just go to like, these people are lost, you know, they're, they're completely lost. And it's, uh, it's like, they don't know how to deal with their own pain. And so they just project it out onto the world. But like, you know, I'm, I'm always optimistic. So I never feel like there's, you know, and I don't bifurcate the world into this sort of idea of good and evil or whatever. Um, but yeah, someone like him, it's just like, you know, it's just, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cocktail of things, but mostly it's, uh, I think just a guy who's just way out of his depth and then pretending not to be. And, uh, and, you know, probably a historical thing of like, you know, just lots of things, man. I mean, I, I've really, I really got into the last sort of 10 years into healing and such. And, and, and that's led me towards uh, realizing the incredible power of the early years on a person, that, that a person's developmental years 
are incredibly powerful and, and they mm -hmm. affect you in a way that you aren't aware of. And that's why they're so powerful. You know, it works into this Jungian thing of like the subconscious and, um, Anyways, yeah, so that, that's when I, when, I, when I see people doing like nefarious things, it's like, I just realize, man, there's pain, you know, there's enormous pain there and they're, and they're unaware of it. Yeah, I agree. And I also recognize the lack of fulfillment and joy and peace and, you know, all the other good things of life that you are cut off from if you don't ground yourself in truth and humility. And I see these people that are so... Um, corrupted or co-opted by their ego and so you know you, you've heard this phrase before that evil is a knowledge that presumes itself complete you know and, and this is uh why i think it's so important to maintain a humility in so many areas of life and people like him just presume that his virtues the way he sees the virtues what he thinks is right and wrong what he thinks is best is truth and then given the structure that he's atop of he can impose them on other people and he's right in doing so and i mean you could again you could characterize that evil if you want to define evil as as the, the knowledge that presumes itself complete but i i'm more inclined to have sympathy ultimately you know I'm, I'm frustrated in the moment because like i see the clown world and i wish it were different but uh because i know that a person that's oriented themselves that way is will forever be cut off from the the true joy that one can experience in life that's all i was thinking is they're just cut off from source like they're just mm -hmm. cut off from from you know you, you the, humility is is the is the is really the knowing that that you're connected to something yeah and if you yeah. and if you don't feel that and know that then it's easy to go any which way and then if you put someone in a position like that where everyone around them is constantly going you 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 you're the one right you decide right. i mean it's going to happen to anyone you know if you're if you're not grounded in something you know and connected to something you know powerful and and, and larger then that will happen to every person yeah you know and, and this is i think peterson has made this point before but you know because you know in our growing up and still in the world today it's like if you want to deride someone or or or, or like the utmost criticism of, of evil, of characterizing evil is calling someone like a Hitler sort of character, right? And he, you know, in my opinion, rightly, I think, you know, it's, it's indisputable, points out that, you know, as you were just saying, Hitler was created by people projecting and giving those feedback signals that like, yes, we want even more of that animus, even more of that attitude, even more of that spirit concentrated in this person so that we can all uh, use it as like a psychic repository almost for all of that that we have in ourselves and then we'll we'll align ourselves and hitch ourselves to you and follow you because you're the concentrated form of the thing that we're feeling and that's how tyrants emerge you know and in that time and place we look back of course with the benefit of hindsight and say oh how obvious it was and we'll look back on this period you know and and look at people like trudeau and look at people like biden and so many in the in the political domain today and said, well, how obvious it was that they were constructed and they were elevated as a result of <clears throat> our unwillingness to confront certain truths, our unwillingness to appreciate certain principles and values. It'll all be, it'll all be so obvious, but unfortunately, <clears throat> so many people 
rely on hindsight for their perspective and they they don't seem i mean the, this is changing you know but uh people aren't grounding their their current perspective in truth to the extent that i think is required to have an optimized life well and this is this is you know unfortunately this is part of how you know how people wake right it's how it's how people wake up really often is through some kind of pain and through some kind of struggle and often um it can be um you know um at the hands of a destroyer you know for lack of a better term it's like the, the, it's in some ways, you know, there's a function and a purpose to everything and it's unfortunate, but, you know, um, it's, it's just really, you know, lately, I just see it as a really a litmus test of like a way of looking at the world and, and seeing like, okay, how far have we come? Like, like as a population, as a species, like how far have we come? Because, um, once you feel, once, once a person feels free and feels um, empowered and aware of things and connected to something big, um, you make different decisions. You know, you, you don't, you, it, it's, you, you almost can't follow along. You know, it's like you have, it's like once you, once you cross that sort of crossover, you, you can't follow along you you have to decide for yourself it's just how it is you know and so it's kind of showing me the litmus test of like you know how how far are we and and generally you know i think that that some destruction some struggle has to come in order to you know like otherwise how's it going to happen you know for the most for the most part it happens through some kind of a you know running into a wall and so in some strange way, you know, um, we get lost to be found, you know. Um, I agree with that. <clears throat> and, you know, I think it's important to remember that this, I, I often use an analogy in childbirth, you know, like if you were to just not know anything about it and walk up on the scene to a woman giving birth, let's say, you would be like, this person is dying. This is the most horrible thing ever. Oh my God, this is just the worst. But if she survives and if the baby comes out and it's healthy, then what you've just witnessed is, you know, a miracle, basically. And I, you know, as dark as things seem and feel today or like as crazy as it feels like, I don't think it could happen any other way. I mean, if, if, if you know, to put it maybe to oversimplify, if truth is emerging in the world in greater form or in a high fidelity form, let's say, and it's emerging in the, the, the consciousness of everybody in that world, then the untethering, as you just said, like the tearing away from the former perspective or the former orienting truth is going to be uncomfortable, right? Because we rely on truth to orient us, to form the basis of our perspective, to determine how we're going to act. I mean, it's fundamental. And so if some other form of it is starting to take that place, there's a period of discomfort that is just unavoidable. And I think if we were to zoom out and if we were to place ourselves in the, in the perspective of the, of the hindsight of history and we were to look back 50 to 100 years f- uh, from now at, at our time, I, it, I think it would be fairly obvious that that's what's happening. You know, at least I, that's, that's one of my hopes. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and that that's that's you know kind of what ties us you know so beautifully sort of artistically to this Bitcoin thing, which is like um, this you know this this emergent um, phenomenon is doing that, <laughs> you know, like like it is doing that when people come across it, you know, it it creates. I mean, it can it can create a spark in people, but it also is like. Uh, you know, a lot of people are really struggle, really struggle against it. You know, they, they, they kind of like, um, like it creates a lot of struggle for some people and, yeah. and, and it should, mm-hmm. you know, um, which well, is that's really, the, that's the friction of the absolute, you know, and this is, I think this is part of the reason why that idea of, of, you know, submitting yourself to God, to truth is so integral and fundamental to pretty much every religious tradition. You submit yourself to this quote unquote higher power. And I, I, that inevitably creates friction, right? Because you're the one that has to change if the absolute is absolute. If it, if it is true, it can't change. You have to. And so there's this uncomfortable friction of, of, of molding yourself in alignment to that truth rather than living as though, first of all, no truth existed, or living as though another true was more true, and therefore aligning with that. And I think in most cases, especially in today's very materialist world, it's, you know, some conception of myself as the highest truth, and or, the, you know, the state as the highest truth because of its power, some, something to that effect. And, uh, which is also why it's, I think anyone who claims to really be oriented towards some kind of faith, whatever it may be, or spirituality or anything like that, I, I, I can't really take them seriously if they're supporting or abdicating all power to the state, because it would seem to contradict what you hold up as the highest authority. And so, you know, I think a lot of people in the world today, especially in the realm of organized religion, and hopefully we'll discuss this, they claim a certain faith but I don't think their actions are in accord with that. I think there's very few people in the world today whose actions are truly in accord with, uh, well, the faith they may proclaim or some sort of higher truth. Which is why, you know, faith and and religion um, gets such a bad rap, right? Because um, there are so many people that are, that are awake and will refuse to be sort of, inoculated you know like um and so i i think that um you know to a large degree like organized religion over the years has been co-opted and um and is kind of like the red herring you know but but unfortunately you know a lot of people then just sort of discard the idea of faith truth love being a higher thing you know, because it's been sort of mixed with this thing, this organized religious thing over the years, which, you know, in my, in my estimation, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a student of religion, you know, but um, in my estimation, it's just another form of the state, right? But that organized religion is just really another, and, and, it, and for the longest time, it, it cor- corroborated essentially with the state, that the state co-opted religion in order to continue power over, Yeah, you know, because in, in fact, it was probably discovered that it was the ultimate power over, 
Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think, and this is what I, my general feelings on the matter and what I put in the, the piece a little bit is that I, for that very reason, I think the state who wishes to consolidate and control as much as they can saw this institution of power and therefore at, at a certain point wanted to and was successful in, in corrupting it. And I think the institution of religion probably started innocuously enough. You know, I, I can appreciate that, okay, you've, you've somehow discerned profound truth. And I, you know, in my opinion, I'm not a religious scholar either, but at, at the basis of a lot of religions, a lot of similar stuff, right? Everything oh, yeah. is one and connected. Love is the foundation. Treat everyone as, you know, their, your divine self, all that kind of stuff. And then depending on the place and time in which they develop, you have, you know, certain differences about how to get there, certain pointers, you know, road signs about which direction to go. You know, I think they try to initially all this stuff, whether it be ritual or, uh, you know, the words and practices that surrounds religion was an attempt to get people closer to the door. You know, you're still yeah. going to be that have the one you're going to have to be the one that walks through it. But like, maybe we can set you on the right path to make it more expedient for you. But because humans are fallible and because humans are imperfect and because humans are, are corruptible uh, and and we're trying to convey an incorruptible idea, you know, the, the idea of God, the idea of love, the idea of truth, uh, I think it's inevitable that all of those things that we maybe altruistically do to help people end up becoming corrupted, right? So they develop into these big institutional bu bureaucracies that control the knowledge that, you know, that, that seek to be some form of parasite on people. And then the religious enterprise gets, I think where we're at in today's world is that the religious enterprise gets discarded as a result of all the corruption that the institutions have uh, performed over the years. And that's a shame because, you know, it's, it's a classic throwing the baby out with the bathwater thing. And I get it, you know, because much has been done in the name of various, you know, religions that is, has been horrible. But to presume that we can do away with the enterprise of determining how best to engage this reality that we all share, that is a tremendous mistake. And to, to also presume that the only thing that exists is the material world that can be measured, that's a massive mistake. You know, and, to, and, and, and the meaning or the lack of meaning that such a perspective usually uh, elicits. And so I, I think, and th again, this is why Bitcoin is so fascinating is that you think it's like just purely an economic phenomenon, but it ends up not being, you know, and it ends up being something far more meaningful. And this is why we have these discussions because we don't know. And, and I think a, a lot of our, our brains and minds and opinions and perspectives is being reformed and recalibrated to account for this phenomenon and what this phenomenon means in relation to other phenomenons. And, you know, I guess why we're having this discussion today is because we realize, and I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, you know, a lot of people can be like, yo, guys, leave it in the realm. We don't need to pollute this with, you know, religious tension or whatever, like leave this in the economic realm. And we don't need to have all those battles. But like, I can't help it. This is, I, I unavoidably wind up in this territory. And I also think that as corrupt as those religious institutions and enterprises may have become, I do, like, I don't think there's a more meaningful pursuit than determining who and what we are as individuals and how we are supposed to engage this reality that we share. Like that's fundamental. And I think 
a lot of people, you know, I've been on a quote unquote spiritual path for all my life and I haven't really done away. Like I always consulted the religious traditions for what wisdom they may have held. And I've tried to tease some of them out, never aligning myself with anyone in particular, but I, I don't think there's any greater pursuit because if you can align yourself with the truths that with the grander truths about what orders, you know, this experience of, of, of reality that our consciousness is mediating for us, let's say, then I think that grants you access to the greatest state of being or experience that we're capable of having. And what's more important than that? Yeah. I don't think anything. <laughs> 100%. It's absolutely true. And the, but the, the tricky part about it is, and maybe this is what we'll get into more, is that it's like, how, how do you bridge the gap, right? It's like, so, so first of all, like our words will fall short and they always will, you know, in these discussions, but like the, the longing or the desire to, to bridge this gap between, um, like, how, how do I say this? It's like, you know, I, I often ask the question, like, how can it be taught or, or how can it be learned? You know, how, how can one learn about the divine or something higher? And, and like that is, I think, the really important question, because like you said before, you know, when when this has been co-opted by institutions, it speaks to what I think is inside every human being, which is a vulnerability a human vulnerability, right? We come into this world, we, and then we leave. It's like, there's an incredible vulnerability and, and a longing for, in a way, meaning, understanding, fulfillment, to live in a way that feels, the experience of life feels true. And so we're very vulnerable to, um, we're very impressionable. You know, and so, so how do we, how can we learn, you know, meaning, how can we learn it for ourselves, you know, it's a really powerful thing to meditate upon. And, and it's part of the reason why I think Bitcoin <laughs> is just so, it's just so incredible, because it, it, and again, I, I we're, we're discovering this as we go, right? No one knows, but I'm starting to get this inkling that that Bitcoin could be one of maybe in our species, like one of these things that bridges like the corp, a corporeal existence with like the truth, the, the, you know, the, the truth of, of, of life, yeah. you know, it, it, it could be the bridge. It could be the conduit between the two. And, and if that's the case, and that's my feeling, you know, I get tingles when I just say that, that kind of thing, then, um, there's a reason why, you know, all this shit is happening, you know, yeah. like the way, the way that it's happening. Well, but, I mean, that's, I don't know if you read my recent piece, but that's pretty much the, yeah, the of course. Assert yeah, of course assertion I tried to make. I'm, I'm, I'm peddling it around. Like I was a, <laughs> like, like I was a friar, <laughs> but that's exactly what I'm, I'm trying to get at there, you know? And I, to, to make an assertion like that, that's why it was so long, because I, I feel you need to pad it with some ground it in some logic and reason that at least leaves the door open to people being able to accept the, the final assertion down in the, you know, the latter parts of it. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, isn't that bizarre? But I, I agree. Like I, I, it may be the case that something like that is happening. And I think the reason why it's important to explore and articulate uh, what the impact it's having on individuals in terms of changing their behavior is because, you know, the proof is always in the pudding. Like we can philosophize about all this jazz and say it's the second coming of Christ or it's the embodiment of certain, you know, otherworldly principles or God principles or whatever. But if there's no real change happening, then we're just, you know, jerking each other off basically. But the, the fact is, is that it's having pr profound effects on people, you know, and everyone's digesting it in their own way and everyone's coming from different backgrounds and that kind of stuff. But it's like really aligning people on these principles, right? So people are starting to really embody these principles of honesty, truth, freedom, love. Like these are, these are core principles to this emergent thing. And they're being and it's imbuing or drawing out of, let's say, these people, those same principles. And they're amplifying them in their own life more and more and more and more and using them to, to find and extract the truth in other areas too. You know, so what is the truth that transforms you into its own like nature and allows you to become an instrument for transforming or discovering its nature in other things. What do you call that kind of truth? Man, I don't know, but you know, the most profound truth there is, a God principle, a Jesus principle, a Christ consciousness, like whatever you want to call it, like it seems like it's that type of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah and I think I think maybe why it is so unique and so special that it may be it maybe it's the first time that um that we've had like uh, like a like a um, like a worldly truth, like like so so like you know this topic of religion, faith, uh, truth, love. It's like these are things that I, I think one hopefully is lucky enough to feel within oneself that that they're like an experiential truth that they're like. Um, you can't describe them, but they're like uh, something you feel, something you experience. And now there's this other thing that exists in the world of the world that has, in a way, the same qualities. It's, it's weird to say, you know, that, that a piece of software has these same qualities, but in some ways they, it does. And so it's like, instead of faith and it being within somebody. Now there's like a corporeal thing like that is without you, like it's outside of you as well. And so it's 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 like bridging the the the, the real physical world with the spiritual world, with the, you know, it's yeah. it's it's creating this bridge. It's, it's yeah, just, I, um, I know what you're saying. And I, I two things come to mind. First, like I I totally agree. And again, I I, I I tried to make that assertion in, in the piece, but it's also like the fact that Bitcoin is corporeal is somewhat tenuous, right? Because it exists in this digital domain that we can't see, smell, taste, or touch, you no, know? That's the amazing thing. Um, but the other thing is, I mean, I think that is a lot of the notion of the historical Christ and, and 
with some Christians like pinning, you know, the kind of the, the basis of the validity of their faith on the historical Christ is somewhat similar to that because they make the assertion that God's, let's say the godly principles, God's principles, God's manifestation on earth actually became corporeal in Jesus Christ. And that he, he was that link that you were just referring to. He was the to. conduit, yeah. Yeah. Now, who am I to say what, what happened in history and what didn't happen in history? My, it seems far more likely to me that the, the, the repetitiveness of, of a similar type of narrative and myth and story throughout many millennia of our history, but also the power of such a story probably means that it was less of a historical, uh, uh, less of a historical truth than a metaphorical symbolic truth. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually think the latter is more powerful than just knowing that somewhere at some time, someone existed that, you know, had supernatural powers granted to him by being a manifestation of God on earth or something like that. Like I, that would be really cool, but I don't think that has the same power. That's it. That has the same power as uh, a, a symbol and an idea that is so powerful that it literally changes your consciousness, mm -hmm. you know, and that, it, and the thing that's interesting, the, another interesting parallel here is that even though Bitcoin may be a, a more corporeal instantiation of, of these principles, you know, like you could say that if, if this whole enterprise really is determining, okay, like what principles best orient an individual in this reality that we experience. And let's just say for the sake of argument, uh, the, the, the principles that you can tease out from the Bible stories or from the example of Christ or whatever, if you embody them, they will lead to a better life for you. And that speaks to their, the truth of the resonance that those principles and the attendant behaviors have with some grander fundamental structural uh, truth about reality that we can't uh, easily perceive or measure. Let's say that's the case. And, and so you might say, well, like, who cares if it's corporeal or not? If you act it out, it delivers the benefit. And I, you know, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that's part of the reason why religions have been so sticky is not just that they were imposed by people by corrupt institutions, but because there is genuine beneficial wisdom to be derived from them. And if you act them out in a, in a genuine way and not just you know, follow the, the letter of the law, as it were, but actually embody these truths and become the godly principles yourself, then I think it delivers a, a tremendously improved experience of reality. And I think that speaks to the truth that, that those principles represent. But it's also the case that you don't know to what extent other people are doing the same. And it doesn't matter entirely, but I think it, it, it might be better if you knew that other people were engaging reality or were acting, you know, were an embodiment of similar principles. And what's interesting with Bitcoin is like, I think it's the embodiment of the, the exact same principles or very similar principles that have been uh, embodied and preached and derived from, let's say, revelation, wherever thoughts may come from previously. But now you can, uh, you can interact with people with the knowledge that they're adhering to the same principles because you can verify that, that they are. And so I wonder if that is just a, an outcome of the, the more corporeal or more engageable or more high fidelity representation of these principles than 
any that have come before. Yeah, I mean, when you said that, what it made me think of was like, like that these principles are, or these truths are actually within us so that they're not something that we, um, they're not outside of us, like that they're within us and that we need to uncover them, that we need to discover them as individuals. And yeah, we can, absolutely we can be nudged, you know, we, we can we can come into contact with something or someone that also has discovered you know these these truths or um, and that can that can help us you know but I think eventually or that it's it's each person's life is their opportunity to uncover to to uncover and reveal and experience that for themselves you know and, and maybe that's what the opportunity that is a life you know is um 100 very little doubt in my mind about that one <laughs> yeah and so 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 then it makes me think of like you know how in a way we have to hold this thing very lightly you know and i think maybe that's where quote unquote you know organized religion in the past maybe failed is that um like how an individual comes to these reveals discovers these things within them is very um tenuous it's very sensitive it, it can it can happen in, a, in so many different ways, you know? And so when someone claims that they have, or somebody or claims that they have the, the answer, it's um, risky, it's, you know? Very, and, yeah. and so that's why this whole, this whole, you know, this whole thing, like just, you know, even us having this discussion, this whole thing has to be held with such a reverence, you know, like, and held so lightly because I mean, you know, the answers are there and they're not there, you know, yeah. it's just, yeah. it's hard to, it's hard to, no, I, I, articulate, I think, but. I think I know what you mean. And, and I agree. And that, I mean, this has been the pitfall is people, you know, let's summarize it and say people seeking the ultimate answers outside themselves. So I'm going to listen to this person. I'm going to listen to this institution. I'm going to listen to this government when I, you know, that door I was referring to referring to earlier, like, only the individual can walk through it and they have to make the decision to do so. And I think it, I mean, what else could be the purpose of life other than attaining that, you know, on your, on your own. And so I, I totally agree. I think it has to be very carefully held and there's a, the, as much, I mean, let's, let's, the, the tension is interesting because let's say you are one of those people that, are closer to that than most or you know and of course you're there's an assumption there but let's just say you feel it you feel the joy of existence you feel the peace of existence you feel the unity of existence the thing that you probably most want to do as a result of experiencing that is share it right because you realize how valuable and good it is but the the irony that perhaps 
pervades, you know, so much of quote unquote God's plan or existence is that it's the thing you most need to not impose on other people, right? Because it's critical that they discover it for themselves. And so that there's, there's a tremendous, uh, well, there's a tremendous wisdom to be derived in understanding that. And I think that's why like anyone who shows up on the scene, presuming to know the truth or, or, you know, have absolute knowledge and is preaching it as, or, or is imposing it on people. I mean, that's a surefire sign that they're not the one to be trusted. Sorry. I got some construction that's happening okay. in the background yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. Um, but the, yeah, the beautiful I, thing, the beautiful thing with Bitcoin is that it's not preaching anything, you know, like we, I'm sure we will develop uh, rituals around it to some kind and, Maybe we'll have to be careful how that happens. Like, for example, like a lot of the people who are aligned here, like we'll probably have big dinners together in the future. Maybe we'll, you know, have ceremonies where we harvest the animals that sustain us and that kind of stuff. And maybe we'll have other sorts of things to remind us of the sacredness and importance of certain elements of ourselves and elements of, of what's happening, maybe. Um, but the beautiful thing about Bitcoin is that it seemed like, it's an embodiment of, of these truths of, of the divinity and sovereignty and freedom of the individual and the truth that uh, facilitates the instantiation of that freedom. Like, I think that's very clear. And it seems as we've been discussing that has an effect on people, but it doesn't say any of it explicitly, you know, and there's a, there's a, there's a tremendous beauty and efficiency in that because it's way more difficult to be misinterpreted that way. Right? And this is why people kind of say like Bitcoin is different things to different people and Bitcoin is or Bitcoin, you know, and that's because you, you can approach all of that from from different ways. And there's, maybe there's no right way. But I do think at the core, those values and principles are there just emanating themselves. And I think that gives us a tremendous advantage in terms of bringing people along, having people be affected by those what I think are fundamental principles but maybe be less susceptible to being drawn off course by the corruption of words, let's say, and, and the people from whom they've historically come. Yeah. 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 It's like, it's like, um, like Bitcoin isn't demanding anybody, anything of anybody, you know, it's a really powerful thing to, 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 to be, um, to not be imposing itself. It's in, in some ways it will impose itself on everybody without imposing itself on anything, you know? And that's- uh, I think that's a know, hallmark of truth though, of profound truth. 100%, yeah. And, and, and you probably know these people um, or, or maybe you know, maybe you know a couple of people like that in, in your life or, you know, or as you collide with people along the way, it's like, um, the people that, like you said, ha for whatever reason, you know, have discovered something about their own life or truth or love, or it's like they're highly unlikely to be imposing themselves on others, you know. Mm -hmm. And I think it's part of the reason why there are there are in in the last couple of years there's there are dare I say like some of us that just are really affected by what's going on in the world, 
and other people really aren't, you know, like they are, but they're not. And, and so for some of us, you know, this idea of like a mandate is like reprehensible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it, like it, it, it's, it's hard to describe, but it's like reprehensible. It's like, um, it's an invasion that's just, just it, it, you know, it's just, and I, and I have loved ones and, you know, that are like, well, what do you mean? And, it, and it's just difficult to describe, but if you, once you feel, you, once you feel yourself and you feel autonomous and you feel, you know, for lack of, again, the words that fall short, sovereign and free, when someone or something tries to impose themselves upon you, it's like, it's just a really powerful feeling of no. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And uh, I'm not sure where I was going with that. Well, I mean, I, I obviously I share that, that sentiment because, you know, again, we, you follow these lines of thinking far enough and you, and you realize, well, the only thing that I'll allow to be imposed on me or submit myself to is, you know, the truth. Again, like God has so much baggage that I often hesitate to use it, but it, the, it it's emerged as a word for a reason because it's meant to encompass yeah. The power but even that, that John, us. let me jump in on you. Just sorry, it's already jump in, but let me just oh. jump in so I don't lose it. It's like, even then though, there is a choice, right? Like, like one must in a way, and again, this, this language is all going to fall short, but one must in a way choose that surrender. Oh yeah. You know, it's, there's still, there's still like complete empowerment and aut autonomy in the choice. It, it can't be foisted upon you. I agree, but I think this is the interesting thing that we've been talking about also with Bitcoin in terms of, because even though you're right, there is a choice, but the choice has consequences that differ based on the, on how you make that choice, right? I think that's, that's the, that's, that's how truth functions and that's how God functions. So you yes. can say like, yeah, you can, you can not adopt Bitcoin. Sure. That's your free will choice, but there are consequences you, you know, and let's just to be very overly uh, simplified again, as I'm sure we'll be throughout this entire conversation, it's like, you know, you'll have less freedom, you'll have less economic freedom, you'll have less mobility, you'll, you'll have less optionality to move through the world, et cetera, et cetera. You can make the choice not to hum humble yourself or submit yourself to a higher power. And, and the, because people think they're giving a lot, oftentimes, especially in the modern world, people think they're giving something away by doing that. Oh, I'm not like, I, if I submit myself to something, I'm losing something. And I'm only just coming to grips with all this too. So, you know, none of this is going to be as articulate or as it should, but I'm starting to see the utility of submitting yourselves, submitting yourself to principle, certain principles for how they actually animate and transform your behavior and actually deliver you more liberation, not less. And um, so in that context, you know, the point I was getting at is that you can still make the choice but if there is a truth that somewhat orders, you know, the reality we experience, then if you decide to reject that truth, then the consequences might be, you know, anxiety or unhappiness or stress or lack of joy or frustration or unhealth or disease or whatever, or making the choice to conform to that, that higher truth will grant you all the things that conforming to it delivers, which may be perhaps more joy and more peace and more contentness and more happiness and all that kind of stuff. So 
you know, I, I totally agree that it's still our choice and that that's, it's necessary, right? We need that degree of agency and will to make the consequences and the power of our choices real, you know, and, um, yeah, and, and and maybe what I what maybe I didn't articulate myself exactly, but like um, once 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 one experiences like truth and love and you know a, a, an experience, once you have an experience of divine, it's like um, uh, in some ways, you know, um, you can't you don't choose anymore. You know, and, and then that's why, um, <laughs> well, that, that's why, you know, it, it can't be, I, I keep going back, like, how can it be taught, you know, and, 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 it, and in, in some ways it can't be taught, you know, and so, um, and it makes sense to me why, you know, like these rituals, and I don't know, you know, I'm not an anthropologist, but I, I can imagine that there was these incredible rituals around uh, tribes and, you know, I think because the elders wanted the young people, they wanted them to have the experience for themselves, you know, and they would sort of usher them into these really powerful rituals so that they could have the experience for themselves because, um, because that's the only way, you know, like the only, the only way is to have the experience and then the choice is easy, you know, you don't really, you don't really diverge from the choice because once you experience it, you're just like, well, there's, this is, this is my guiding thing. This is the thing that will guide all of my decisions now. Um, yeah. And it can, and the, and the amazing thing is that it can take shape like a thousand, a million different shapes. It's not one thing, Yeah. you know, it's not, you know, I go to this place and I gather with these people and we talk about this book. It can, it, it can take literally like thousands, maybe millions of different shapes. Yeah, I, I think that's part of the reason why, well, first of all, two things, you know, like in, in a lot of these traditions, you know, Taoism comes to mind, um, and, even, and even something like Hermeticism and stuff like that. I mean, they would say, sorry, maybe one second. Um, yeah, even like something like, like they always say, like, you know, the, the way that can be shared or articulated is not the way. Right. Like, you know, and they so it's clear and, and um, Maharishi can't remember um, his full name, but, he, you know, one of he was he's a famous like Indian uh, spiritual guru sort of guys deceased now. But one of the ways that he would, quote unquote, teach is just sit in silence with people, you know, and, and, he, and he would say, like, the people that really understand my teaching will receive it this way. But if you'd like me to use words, I'll try. But just please know that they won't be able to deliver the truth. And so, you know, people have recognized this throughout the ages, for sure. And they've attempted to, it's very similar to articulating, for example, you know, a psychedelic or a mystical experience. It's like, okay, we use words to communicate. This is how we interact. I'll do my best. But just know that I'm not even, it'll be like whispering on one end of the Grand Canyon to you on the other end. You're not likely to get much of the, of, of the truth of the meaning, you know, but we try as we might. Um, so I think it's like, it's very much that going on. And then the second thing is like a lot of these ancient tra traditions, ancient cultures for as far back as we can even discern any sort of behavior from human beings, 
is that there were practices to, you know, not necessarily convey wisdom in any way other than putting people in a, in allowing, trying to get people in a frame of mind or a state of consciousness that allowed them to tr transcend their individuated experience of consciousness and experience something less defined, less individual, more unified or united, something to that effect. And as you said, I mean, it can come from uh, psychoactive plants, it can come through ordeal poisons, it can come through pain, it can come through exhaustion, it can come through fasting, it can come through all Athletics, sorts of surfing, yeah, exa exactly. All in, sorts the, in nature, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's the point, right? Like the many doors to the infinite, let's say, and cultures throughout time have discovered them in their various forms and recognize that going through them is a rite of passage for every individual. Uh, and I think, you know, they've, they've tried, uh, perhaps in vain in many cases, but they've tried to uh, keep a tradition of the importance of that practice alive. And then, you know, as I said before, because we're so corruptible and, you know, stupid monkeys in many ways that we, in our attempts to do that, we fall short and sometimes fall short miraculously. And, but th this, this is actually why... I'm having these conversations these days is because I think part of our history is this, right? So, and, and I'll, I'll publish probably all this conversation without your uh, face and stuff, just like I'll pull the audio. And when Pierre, Pierre comes in, we'll see where, where it goes, sure, but sure. Uh, you know, 250,000 years ago, there, there was a, I think it's one of the oldest like idols, right? And it's a Venus sort of character, like a goddess sort of character. And, quote unquote goddess, because it's like a rock with something akin to hips and like an eyeball, like scratched into it and a, and a smile, right? Very rudimentary. And then, you know, 200,000 years later, the, de the development of that is very little. Like maybe we have some therianthropic, like human animal hybrid symbols, right? And then you, you know, you go up to, I don't know, like 20, 30,000 years ago, and you start having cave art and cave paintings and idols that are a little bit more complex. 10 to 12,000 years ago, you have something like Gobekli Tepe, which is a, you know, representative of a far more sophisticated uh, worldview and conception of, uh, you know, the world and the divine realms, let's say. And then, you, you know, right, then you have something like Egypt and Sumeria, which is just like, where the fuck did this come from? Like, this is like an explosion of sophistication and understanding of all kinds, and then up to the, 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 the present day. And all throughout that, this process that we've been describing, at least this is part of my interpretation, is we recognize the, the primacy of, of the divine principles, let's say, the, the principles that most order and align our consciousness with the broader reality and then there's an attempt to represent them to contextualize them to communicate them and then there's some degree of amplification of our sophistication or, or understanding or ability to engage with them and then maybe there's a collapse in of that understanding because it's insufficient right and it's like this this ongoing process of expanding the, and contract exactly yeah. the sophistication of it contracts and expands and contracts and expands and contracts and i like to think at least that we're getting somewhere with this. Uh, and, you know, we may be in a quote unquote dark age right now. We may be in one of those con contractions, which is may maybe why it seems like, and, and perhaps maybe be true that P 
people that came before us, you know, the Egyptians or the Greeks or the Harappans in the Indus Valley or whomever it may be, were more sophisticated in terms of their approach to life and spirituality and all that than, than we are. But I think we have an opportunity here in Bitcoin, or not in Bitcoin, but in the current moment in which Bitcoin is an emergent part, to actually engage intentionally and consciously that process again and push it further again. And so I think what's really interesting, and I see Pierre is about to jump in, but what, what I think these, why I'm so interested in these conversations is because I see that impulse emerging in people and I see that effect that Bitcoin's having in people. And I think in, from my part, we shouldn't be too hasty in just gratifying that, that des renewed desire for spirituality or the, or the divine by taking something that's previously been developed off the shelf and just adopting it for ourselves. I think we have an opportunity in this newly globalized world with all these traditions that we can now access and Bitcoin as a new part of that mix to say what new is emerging in the world and through us and how should we engage it most optimally? And maybe that's a hundred year process. Maybe we won't get to see the full fruits of it, but I think what lies on the back end of that is tremendously val valuable. And that's why, you know, I know a lot of Bitcoiners these days are like, you know, maybe getting into Christianity again or for the first time or whatever other religious faith. And that's totally up to them. I'm not here to say what they should or shouldn't do, but I think there's something really valuable to be derived from, uh, being slow in how we interpret and engage this unfolding phenomenon. I think you're 100% spot on. And I think it's because, and like you said, we probably won't see the fruits of it. We, we, I guarantee you we won't, because this is a continual- well, There's never fruits, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's always- It's a continual continue. evolution, continual. Yeah. So there is no actual, you know, that is the reality. So that is the natural, thing that like there is real no choice to that that's going to happen regardless you know yeah well exactly so, yeah we have, i think it you have to be comfortable with the the forever striving the never arriving right that i think that's part of the discipline of of the pursuit in itself is never being able to fully know god but always be in the pursuit of it something like that yeah pierre what's up buddy Hey guys, sorry, I am very late. I uh, had a time zone snafu there. Yeah, it happens to me all the time. All good. How you doing? No, no worries. Very well. Um, I, I think that it was Elon Musk who was recently advocating for abolishing time zones, which I have mixed feelings about, but not, <laughs> not the topic of today's conversation. Well, they don't have them in China, so there's that. Yeah, um, bang it. You know what? I think bang because... Uh, it's, I think it facilitates a better conversation for us to be able to see your face. I think yeah. maybe we don't go live. We keep it this way and I'll just pull the audio later and we won't do the YouTube thing. Sure. Um, and Pierre, I've, we've been chatting this whole time. Um, so we'll, we'll just pick it up from here and see where we go. And uh, yeah, I'm pumped. Any, any, I mean, we're recording now, so, but is there any questions or constraints or anything like that before we continue rolling on no i'm good to go cool well i think at this point you know anyone listening will have heard a bunch from from me and bang already but maybe pierre what what was um your interest in you know when i, I think this came about on twitter and then bang said why don't we get together and, and have a chat about this what was what is your interest in 
pursuing these conversations at this point in time? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, um, you know, I, I converted to Christianity uh, about a year ago, a little more than a year ago. And um, it was pretty shocking to me because I've been agnostic slash atheist my entire life. Um, and uh, so then I, I've been reading a tremendous amount about Christianity because it's not something I'd ever done a deep dive on. And I can't stop, you know, reading about it and thinking about it uh, in the same way that I experienced when I first learned about Bitcoin. Um, and there have been so many parallels I've seen between uh, Bitcoin as a as a philosophy, as a ideology, um, and religion, but also Christianity specifically um, as a religion. Uh, and so that's, yeah, that's, um, but I haven't really, I haven't been very uh, public about it, I guess. Um, I've probably been tweeting more about, uh, you know, God's, God or quotes from the Bible or things like that. Um, but uh yeah, I, I don't have any, um, that's, that's, I guess my, my immediate in, intro to, to, uh, why I've been thinking about this and, and starting to talk about it some more. Yeah. Bang and I were just discussing, I mean, it, it seems very clear. Two things seem clear. One is that that's happening to a lot more and more people, you know, that this renewed interest in religions or spirituality or a mixture of those is emerging. And it seems to be largely brought on by interaction with an understanding of Bitcoin, you know? And so I recently published a piece that tries to maybe pr provide some form of expl uh, explanation about why that might be. But I think, you know, whatever the, the truth, I mean, this is why we have these conversations, you know, more and more of my conversations lately have been around this stuff. And, you know, I accept that it's somewhat sensitive subject matter and it's subject matter that we're kind of walking blindfolded in the dark around because it's such, you know, there's pretty much no bigger uh, realm of knowledge that you might want to try to explore or understand. And I, as I said to Bang at the beginning, like, I understand that a lot of people are not going to like it that much because, you know, there's a, a big core of people that say, look, man, let Bitcoin be innocuous. Let, let it stay in the economic realm and let's not, uh, you know, sully it with the tensions around, you know, religious language and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm, I can appreciate that people want something that's completely objective in the world today, but I don't know if such a thing exists. And I think if, if we're dealing with the things of the utmost meaning, there's probably a reason why. And, and I think those reasons converge at a certain point. And so exploring what relationship, the emergence of something like Bitcoin, and it's the principles that may be instantiated in it have to the principles and values of other corpuses of extreme meaning, i.e. our ideas or conceptions or relationships to divinity or God or, and, and the ideas that surround them. I, I think if you, if you go down the rabbit hole far enough, it's kind of an unavoidable thing that you have to ultimately contend with. And so that's why I've been super interested in these conversations lately. And, you know, I look forward to hearing, you know, yours and your thoughts today and, and in conjunction with, with, you know, the ones Bang and I have already been having. Bang, do you have any comments before we, I guess, dive into the, the, the formal chat? 
I mean, I think it it's um, sort of piggybacking on how we or the the stuff you said before Pierre joined us and and now with this little intro is, um, I think partly why the conversations feel important to me is that um, maybe selfishly I uh, I think that maybe we can re we recognize in one another whether we're conscious of it or not like we can kind of recognize in the other person um, something within them that is. These words are always gonna, they're always gonna be tricky and fall short, you know, but like we, it's like um, you can recognize in the other person, there's something they've touched, you know, they've touched something. And I think it's, you know, why I feel drawn to these interactions. And, um, and um, yeah, I don't know, I, I'm not gonna you know, go any further with that. But one of the, one of the interesting things that I think applies to people who share a traditional religious faith and that seems to apply to you know people that uh you know are involved in bitcoin and i tweeted this out today kind of inspired by the you know the trucker thing that's happening in canada is that the the, the bond that's created by people you know the, the terminology i use was the bond that's created by people that have freedom in their hearts you know it feels so good and it feels so true you know and i think there's reason for that but to your point bang like you know, whether it's those of us who engage in Bitcoin or whether it's with your congregation at a, you know, at a church or, or some other faith, like that, that bond, that ascension of a certain value or, or principle to the top of, of those which orient you and your perspective and your behavior is tremendously powerful, you know, because it, it kind of means that you're, well, you're both, you're, you're being oriented by something similar. And as a result of that, I think there's the connection and the ability to communicate and to understand one another is, is improved dramatically, you know, and no and, wonder that these things have become so integral and maybe even competitive in terms of adapt, uh, adaptively speaking, in terms of civilizations because of that effect that it has. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you're, one is experiencing like the whisper of the, the experience of union you know like in that in that you're you actually are having a visceral experience albeit maybe like i say a whisper but you're you're experiencing union and very powerful thing to experience well yeah i mean like we've been discussing i think at the foundation of many religions and many forms of spirituality and mystical experiences is that um removal of the self-centered you know egotistical perspective let's say into one that's more absolute or more unified you know and again this this can come through many forms but whether it's like you know you use the terminology of entering into the house of god or whether you use the terminology of dissolving into the you know the oneness of the universe or whatever you know language you use i mean that idea certainly permeates a lot of uh traditions of various kinds and i I think, I think there's something true to it, you know, that, that about being able to access a unity, you know, a, a form of love. And perhaps that's, that's the ultimate, you know, perhaps re remembering that that's where we come from and where we're going is fundamental to orienting yourself properly in life. Um, Pierre, I'd love to know, you know, because as I said, you know, Bang and I have been talking generally about 
the religious phenomenon and the religious enterprise. And, you know, right before you jumped in, I was finishing a spiel where, I mean, I don't want to recapitulate the whole thing, but basically what I was saying is that, you know, I think all of human history from 250,000 years ago up till today, we've recognized our, a relationship to, for lack of a better term, the divine, something fundamental that parameterizes our experience and, and which the degree to which we align with it can convey a benefit in our lives and in, in our ability to interact and cooperate with one another. And it seems to have this expansion and consolidation sort of uh, movement where we recognize a truth and the importance of that truth and, and our, we expand as individuals and perhaps as collectives, but then in our attempts to communicate that truth, because it's such a difficult thing to communicate, those attempts ultimately become corrupted and we kind of devolve once again. And then that process gets recapitulated and we, we regroup it as it were and figure out ways to, to communicate it and feel it and embody it once again. And we expand and it's this kind of expansion and contraction. And, you know, here we are today where in the modern era, it seems that the religious traditions have been derided in many ways and, and dispensed with in favor of, you know, perhaps a more materialist measurable conception of, of reality. And I, you know, I think it's a massive throwing the baby out with the bathwater uh, scenario, but it's not without its reasons. And, and I think for whatever, whatever may be occurring and whatever type of phenomenon Bitcoin represents seems to be bringing people back to an appreciation for the utility of understanding and aligning with certain fundamental principles about our experience of reality and the benefits that can be derived from, from doing so. But we are uniquely for the first time ever in a, in a globally connected world. And so now we, all of these different uh, approaches to the divine, religious traditions throughout history that have emerged in different times and different places for different reasons and for different people, now we have access to them all. And we have access to all that wisdom and we have access to all, all of that stuff. And we are very much seeing the emergence of a global culture. I mean, all cultures are coming together and we're kind of finding out like what it means to have an earth culture rather than a North American or an Egyptian or East Asian or whatever. And then it, the addition in that mix is now we have this totem of some kind that is Bitcoin. And what we, what we were saying before you jumped in was, does this not represent an opportunity now? Because there's this religious impulse that's, I mean, I'm seeing it everywhere. And you're, you're a great example of this because you just, you know, you said you kind of, you converted to Christianity about a year ago. And I, I want to ask you a bunch about that. But and a lot of Bitcoiners seem to be doing that. And I, there's so much rich wisdom in that tradition that's applicable to well maybe it's timeless right but it's certainly applicable to the many of the problems that we confront today and so i understand it from that perspective but my sense is that we have an opportunity here or perhaps it's better to say we're part of a process which we may never be able we, we may never see the the fruits of or at least not see the end of uh and maybe there is no end to it of having all of that wisdom and all of those traditions and all of that experience throughout time and my my perhaps one of my questions is is should we try to restrain ourselves from 
immediately gratifying that, let's say, God-shaped hole in our heart and taking an existing tradition off the shelf and, and adopting that for ourselves? Or should we do the perhaps less uh, immediate thing, but perhaps ultimately more long-term beneficial in reconstituting something genuinely novel uh, as a result of this, you know, this uh, unique circumstance that we find ourselves in in the world today. And I, like, I'm not, I, I don't mean to construe that. I'm not asserting that one is better than the other. I'm, I'm, you know, I have these conversations because I'm genuinely curious. I mean, Bang and I were saying like, what, what is more important than these pursuits? You know, I mean, like your career and your interests and your ambition and all that kind of stuff can be very important. But as a human being, what is more important than determining what your relationship is to, to your experience of reality and, and the things that may um, you know, form the basis of that and determine your, your success and your joy and your, your peace and content, contentness within it. So you know, what, what, tell me a bit more about what led you to making the conversion and obviously any comments you might have on what I just said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess uh, I, I am intrigued by uh, your comment uh, that, um, you know, do, do we take something off the shelf or do we, um, uh, do we explore something new, discover something new, build something new? Um, and I, 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 I'm utterly convinced that, uh, uh, you know, by my by my faith in in Christianity, that um, there we would just be reinventing um, the wheel uh, by doing something new. Um, but that's kind of at a theological level. At a institutional level, history is just full of you know Reformation, Counter Reformation of um, of institutional renewal of reform. And um, that that seems uncontroversial. That um, there's there's going to be a reform uh, due to perhaps hyper Bitcoinization. <laughs> um, and um, on on the on the second part about uh, my 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 faith journey to where I am now, um, it's definitely uh, it's it's a long one. Uh, I was I was baptized Catholic. Um, when I was a little baby. Uh, and I, that's, I think, um, has been, uh, a key part of me delving into specifically Catholicism within Christianity, though I have looked at other, uh, uh, other, um, denominations within Christianity. And I, I find them all really interesting, but, um, you know, I definitely identify as a Catholic first and foremost. And um, the, but really, you know, what happened a year ago was that I was listening to some new age music and staring out my window and um, kind of just in hindsight, the word for it is, you know, contemplation. I was contemplating, um, you know, that, that I personally do carry big bags of guilt, right? For various things I've done over, you know, decades of being here on earth. It's very hard to 
go about one's day without doing something that, you know, will make you feel guilty afterwards. <laughs> um, and that um, what with this um, specific music seemed to be drawing out of me was that um, I, you know, if, if I really wanted to, to live freely, um, I had to let go of those bags, right? That um, it, it, I had to forgive myself. And uh, I was kind of having a cathartic moment with that. And then I had this thought pop into my head, uh, just this phrase, Jesus died for our sins. And I found that to be bizarre that this, this meme, uh, you know, came to, to the forefront of, of my uh, conscience. And uh, then that's when I went on Wikipedia and, and I looked up, all right, what was the Jesus story? Because I had, you know, I'd learned about it, um, obviously, you know, kind of the uh, high level, but I hadn't really done a beginning to end reading of Jesus's life story, um, you know, even in Wikipedia form. So I read through that. And by the end of it, I was like, yeah, I guess, I mean, I, now I understand it. Now I get it. I, I get what this is about and I'm a Christian um, and uh, you know, started ordering books off of Amazon and uh, started reading the Bible. And um, now, now I'm deep into it um, by no means. I mean, obviously after a year of uh, reading, I'm, I'm not, I, I've only skimmed the surface. It seems like still, um, but something that I really before, before that, I'd been interested in obviously meditation and um, stoicism and kind of almost pre-Christian um, belief systems, or uh, uh, you could call them, you know, theologies in a sense. But um, religion uh, without the I, God, I, I, maybe. I felt, yeah, exactly. Um, so I think I was. Um, predisposed uh to 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 this um but what i really liked about the deeper i got into christianity and catholicism was that um people often say that they're spiritual and they're not religious and i always kind of felt like that meant that uh re organized religion doesn't have spirituality right that it doesn't have the what i was getting out of from from meditating and that's just utterly false uh it it, it is um it, spirituality is a critical part of it i mean perhaps you know arguably the most important part i know that there's um uh, lots of competing uh very important parts to it but um that it was and, and that it's it's top of mind for people who are members of organized religion um and that uh Prayer is a part of that, but just um, contemplation and, and meditation are, are also um, part of that. So, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of at a high level uh, my, my journey so far. Well, I'll, I'll just jump in to say here, because we're dealing with such challenging and, and meaningful topics, like if anyone wants to go on like a 30 minute rant, you, you know, absolutely feel uh, welcome to do so. But you know, that's interesting. And it's one of the things, this kind of idea of being filled up by the Holy Spirit, you know, um, I'm, 
I feel like I've, I've felt that, you know, but perhaps the image, the images that wrote go through my mind when that happens, or perhaps the, you know, I think what Bang and I were talking about before you joined was that a lot of, a lot of this stuff fundamentally has very similar or share certain principles. And it may be the case that one of the reasons why Bitcoin is causing people to reevaluate certain traditions is because I think, you know, two principles that may indeed constitute why Bitcoin is what it is, is freedom and sovereignty and the truth that establishes that or enforces that. And those ideas of truth and freedom or truth and liberation seem to me to be so foundational to so many traditions. And, you know, it's, I, again, one of the reasons why I'm so interested in having these conversations, because I continue, you know, I've, I've had a lot of quote unquote mystical experiences in my life, you know, using uh, psychedelics in a ritual, let's say sense has been a big part of my development. And so I, I feel like I've touched, you know, those realms before. And the more I contemplate, meditate on Bitcoin, and the more I look at traditions like Christianity, for example, the more I feel like I'm able to get closer to or access very similar states of being, let's say. And there's like, so there's a very visceral component to all this, I guess is the point I'm making. It's not that this is not a purely intellectual thing. I mean, I think we, we almost pursue the intellectual, the logical, the rational understanding as a, as a kind of scaffold to help us get to the felt sense or the, or, or the, the visceral aspect of this. And, um, you know, and that's part of what I, why I took so much time in the piece that I just published to use logic and reason to a certain degree to establish a part of the argument to then finish off with areas which logic and reason aren't really useful, you know, the, where there's an element, uh, where there's a, somewhat of a gap, you know, where there's somewhat of a leap of faith. Um, what, what do you think it is about Bitcoin that both for yourself and for what seems to be a lot of others these days is causing this renewed appraisal of Christianity specifically, but let's just say religious traditions or spirituality more broadly. What do you think it is about Bitcoin that is inspiring that? Um, I, I think that what you touched on there with truth, uh, is, is the key part of it. Um, that is that in order to, um, to examine your conscience and to, to be in touch with God in a sense, you have to, um, you have to have honesty and uh, because you have to come to God with repentance, with acknowledgement that um, in order to receive forgiveness, you have to recognize that you've done something bad. Uh, if you're in a state of denial of like, oh, I'm perfect, then there's no way for you to leave your ego. Uh, there's because, uh, you know, you're, you're, there's no way for God to find you. Um, and it's kind of, you know, in, in the garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve were hiding, um, from God, uh, that you have to be honest in, in coming forth to God 
you know, with, with, with your uh, failings. And so I think the, the truth element there uh, is critical. And obviously with Bitcoin, um, the, the people have even called it, you know, the truth machine, right? As a, a phrase I've heard um, that it is, um, there's, yeah, there's the, It, it, it doesn't even allow you to hide, right? Um, the, the, the public ledger. Um, and in a sense, it's very unforgiving in um, not uh, permitting uh, a, a lie. Um, but I, I personally, I think that like Bitcoin was not a direct cause or conscience like. Conscious. A visible cause mm. to me for what drove me down this this path, um, but it has certainly um, made it a much easier path to go down. Uh, in particular, this notion of memes, right? Um, I'm very interested in in memes because <laughs> are you um, <laughs> when. W- it, you know, Bitcoiners have all these phrases that um, uh, compress down all of this meaning, uh, you know, not your keys, not your Bitcoin, you know, uh, all, all of these um, that to outsiders are, are, are baffling. It's like, what are you, what are you going on about? This isn't, um, and, and, and outsiders then can poke holes in those, right? Because they are so, um, uh, uh, compressed and, and abstract, but I, I saw this with Christianity as well. That um, Christianity has all of these catchphrases, all of these memes. That um, as an outsider, I was always like, okay, you know, you guys are kind of on a different planet, you know, wackadoodles. But um, now, when I hear uh, a meme that I don't understand, it it makes me curious as to, okay, what is all the meaning behind this? Like what, because this did not go down 2000 years if it did not have um, a tremendous amount of truth behind it, of, of substantive thought behind it. And so you can take a, a meme like Jesus died for our sins and if you decompress it, um, you know, you you suddenly have an entire library of books on theology and the on on Christianity, right? And uh, you you could certainly build such a library. Uh, but um, as I decompress all of this, uh, yeah, that's that's where um, I think that Bitcoin or thinking and learning about Bitcoin for almost a decade now has uh, made it so that um, I didn't immediately turn away from things that I don't understand. Rather, it's it's an invitation to dig deeper and to um, to learn more about it and see see if if the substance behind it is something that I agree with or not. Yeah, I think that's probably true for many people. But I, I do also think you probably are correct in saying that it wasn't a conscious tool to use to reevaluate these systems. But I mean, the three of us and many people listening 
our consciousness, I think consciousnesses have been pretty rocked by Bitcoin in various ways that we're both aware of and that we're both not aware of. And I think, you know, you, you made an interesting point there about guilt. And I've never contextualized it as guilt. You know, maybe the way that I would phrase it is a recognition of not being in accord with certain fundamental principles. Now, you might say they're the exact same thing because they lead to behaviors that you're either recognize as being guilty, guilty of or not in accord of, and it's just a semantic difference. And um, you know, I pretty much agree with that. Um, but it's this idea that God is the ultimate judge. It's the thing that everything else is beneficially contrasted against. It's the thing that you judge all behavior against to determine your level of accord, your level of, of guilt, something like that. And I think part of the reason, and you know, I fully admit, I think there's many, and we won't touch, we may not even scratch the surface on, of these today. But I think part of the reason why Bitcoin is so compelling is not just that it acts in, in kind of a similar way in which it, it has certain principles and it has certain parameters that you need to submit yourself to or align with in order to not be quote unquote judged or not be expelled from, from the system. But not only that, but I think the very principles that are most represented in Bitcoin, as I said before, I think freedom and truth are two of them. I think those are also the primary principles of our conception of, of God or reality or the divine. Like those are two, maybe they're not the exclusive ones, but I think they're really up there. They're, they're primary. And the phenomenon that they've been transmuted into an object in the quote unquote earthly or corporeal round, like uh, bang, you and I were just a uh, realm like we were discussing earlier. That is maybe part of the reason why if you go far enough down that Bitcoin rabbit hole, you end up unavoidably seeing parallels in the other domain of, of ex extremely deep or profound meaning. And I, you know, I think, I think that's part of the reason why we end up, or there's this, this current trend or impulse or whatever you want to call it for reevaluating uh, those systems that, you know, we may have dismissed, like you, like you said, Pierre, and realize now that we see so much uh, meaning condensed in a Bitcoin meme, we might think like, well, wh which other memes have we been ignoring and what kind of meaning and, and insight might we, and wisdom might we extract from, from them? And maybe we should reevaluate them. And I think, you know, part of this is also just our entire worldviews. Once you realize how much money, the signal of value that is being transmitted all throughout a culture, how much that dictates behavior, how much those signals of value and the degree to which they're distorted can, can uh, instigate or, or cause certain behaviors and the buildup of institutions around those signals. Once you realize, once you change that out, once you maybe instantiate or develop a more high fidelity signal for the transmission of value, then you realize that a lot of behaviors are going to change. And then you reevaluate all the institutions and all the behaviors and all the thoughts and, you know, everything pretty much has to be recapitulated. And so I, I think a part of that in Bitcoin land of why there's this re, re appraisal of, of something like religion is partly just because we realize every, we're seeing everything with new eyes to put it broadly. And we realize that we got to recontextualize everything. So we have a more in, integrated perspective. To, you know, by which to move forward and construct our lives with. 
But yeah, I, I do think, and the, the point I made at the, the final part of the piece is that Bitcoin may indeed be the emergence of something akin to the embodiment of the most fundamental principles that orient this reality that our consciousness experiences, something akin to the reemergence of those principles. And, you know, one of the phrases that gets bandied about in, in private conversations in Bitcoin land these days is the idea and, you know, not the statement or the assertion, you know, everyone's really grappling with and, and trying to figure this out. But the idea that Bitcoin is something akin to the second coming of a Christ character. And I don't mean to insult anybody who is, uh, you know, a, a Christian or, or of, of a certain faith by making that assertion, but just to say that it's being discussed in many places today. And so why not discuss it? to see if it has any legs, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, first that um, uh, it, 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 it ought to be very hard to offend a Christian in 2022, given that they are day-to-day -day operating in a highly secular, uh, you know, culture that uh, is filled with the most, you know, blasphemous and uh, uh, hor horrible, uh, you know, media, uh, right. I'm not, I'm not talking about Twitter. I'm talking about CNN. I'm talking about, <laughs> um, so, um, it, but, um, you know, I, I can, I can certainly see how, how that, that is, uh, a very sensitive topic to, to broach, but I think that, um, I do think that you're onto something. Um, now, uh, we'll only know in the fullness of time, uh, you know, what, what this is and um, that um, when we study early uh, church history, right, that there's so many parallels there as well, um, whether it's the persecutions, right, or uh, the um, kind of the word of mouth uh, spreading of it and the, the, the gradual nature of it, that it starts with a very small nucleus of people who then they influence outer circles. Um, but um, I, yeah, the, I think that the danger or the reason that it can be, um, it has to be whispered about is in a sense twofold that uh, one that we're talking about money, which is um, a, from a religious perspective seen as um, an evil uh, and and crass and uh, you know not spiritual at all, um, and, and then that within you know biblical prophecy of saying okay you know the, the Satoshi Nakamoto is the second coming of Christ um, that that might be in, not palatable because everyone's expecting something different, right? And that's actually also a parallel with Jesus, that everyone was expecting a different Messiah than Jesus. They were not expecting a Messiah who gets defeated and gets nailed to a cross. Um, they, they were expecting uh, a victorious warrior who would, um, you know, defeat uh, the, 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 the invaders of, you know, the Romans. Um, but, um, that's not, I think that's not how God works, right? That, uh, he, uh, uh, tends to surprise us, but I, 
I don't think that we can say with any level of conviction that um, that this is the second coming. I think that it's a um, still a theory or something to to ponder. Bang, you got anything you want to chime in before? Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, Just jump in whenever. Don't, don't. Be, yeah, yeah, don't be for crying. sure. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I like listening too. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love Pierre that you described uh, that you brought it memes in, you know, when you're talking about Christianity, Christianity, because um, I find that if, if, um, if I, I think my resistance to, um, to you know organized religion is probably just lands in the place where um where i um i struggle with the when 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 these things are sort of or when these ideas are taken literally you know or that there's like a literal sort of conception of religion and um you know staying in the world of memes you know the the, the very um omnipresent meme of don't trust verify um with Bitcoin is, um, you know, a powerful, a really powerful meme. And for me, it's a really powerful meme, um, in the world of faith as well. Like there's something, and this is, you know, my personal experience. And I think e each of our personal experiences are, are the most important thing, you know, that that's, that's what I value the most. Um, and my personal experience with, uh, faith or truth, love, divinity, you know, however we want to describe it, God, um, this meme of don't trust verify is really powerful for me, which is, um, I can't take anyone's word for it. You know, like I can't take what was written a million years ago, a thousand years ago. I, I can't take it out of, um, you know, a devout practitioner or a book or a sermon, or it's like, for me, my evolution in my life up until this point one of the key memes was like i had to verify for myself i i had to experience it for myself and when anyone tried to either either if someone tried to or i was presented with or you know and, and this rabbit hole goes deep this even goes you know to the place of like what are ideas versus a felt sense of the world like you know what is logic versus our five senses you know and so even for us to have ideas about something divine is tenuous territory for me you know and so when i say i don't trust i verify when it comes to you know the divine or or spiritual or love or god it's like I needed to know in my life, I need to, to, I needed to experience it in my life for myself. And, you know, that wasn't easy. That wasn't an easy journey. And, you know, still is an ongoing one. Um, but, but it became very authentic to me, you know, because of that. I think one of the, the issues perhaps which facilitated or brought about the current circumstance with regards to religion which is basically what you were you know related to what you were just saying bang is that institutions and dogma and even words you know the attempt to communicate truth can create a division between the thing itself and the words and the people that that wrote them down and so i think there's a there's a natural and and a, a valid 
you know, appreciation for the former over the latter, right? Like the, the words and the path and the way to get to the thing are not the thing. You know, we've, we've been, we were discussing this a lot before you came on, Pierre, but just the, the propensity to fall in, the, the pitfalls inherent in that process of accessing the thing of, of greatest value and then want the, the irony of, of wanting to do nothing more than to share and communicate that to people, but that that process itself is almost impossible or maybe is impossible. And, and the, only, the only function of the, the, all the other things that contextualize the truth is to just try to directionally put you in the right direction so that you can experience it or discover it for yourself. But you know that journey is fraught with peril because everyone along that journey is going to try to direct your attention toward their ends and not perhaps your own. And you know one of the things you mentioned, Pierre, was like the landscape today and you know blasphemy and all these different all this division and tension and stuff. And it made me think a while back that um, you know you hear about religious persecutions in in the world, right? Like inquisition or you know the whole history is filled with religious persecutions of various kinds and you might you know a modern person might be like well I'm, I'm sure glad that you know we don't have that today you know maybe a couple pockets in africa or southeast asia or whatever but you know by and large no more religious persecutions yay and you know to me that's just completely absurd you know because if if religion is uh the thing that allows you to construct your worldview, right? To determine your values, your principles, and as a result, how you're going to behave in the world. Then any attempt to block or inhibit your behavior, your desire to act the way that you wish, wish to act is inherently a religious persecution because they're saying, no, your worldview and the values and principles that you hold and the attendant behaviors that, that emerge from them are wrong. And we, and we are going to try to stop you from doing that. And I look at the world today, I'm like, there's a hell of a lot of worldview or religious persecution happening today, whereby certain groups of people want to inhibit or control other groups of people. You know, so I think as we look back at this time in our history through the lens of hindsight, we'll look back and the way historians will write about it will probably be the way historians have always written about it and that it will be framed as a, you know, a worldview, a belief system, a religious persecution, because some group of people felt that their worldview, that their perspective, and the things that they valued were more important or were uh, above those of other groups of people. And I think, you know, that that's part of the reason we're seeing the, the problems in the world today. And then the, the other comment I wanted to make, Pierre, about uh, your relation, your comment about Christianity and money. You know, it's kind of been a somewhat of a poo-pooed or taboo thing in the faith. I wonder if Bitcoin is going to change that as well, because it begs the question: What is money? And that's a, a tough question to answer. But I think money is, at least partially, just a way to communicate our values and value. And so it has a lot of information wrapped up in it, and it also is an agreement to a certain, to be bound by uh, how that value is communicated. And if that's the case, then maybe you could understand why um, a system of discovering and upholding truth 
might be resistant to it because no money has ever been able to propagate pristine information. Because you might say like, well, if it could, if money could propagate pristine information and that information was our values, then the things that, and if we are oriented by the truth, by the highest values, and therefore our action is just expressing that into the world, then the thing that carries that should be no different from us and no different from the values that are animating us and therefore no different than the divine itself if we're properly aligned. But because historically speaking, no money could ever do that, I could see why there might be um, you know, uh, apprehension to it or, or a different perspective on it. But if we're toying around with the idea that now we have a money that pristinely propagates the values by the person who's using it to express their value into the world, i.e. it can't be diluted, it doesn't degrade, all of those things that might otherwise pervert or distort the information around values that money is carrying, then I wonder if the perception of money being tainted in some way or being taboo or poo-poo by any system or faith might be different now. And might this be a, a completely novel um, emergence of the idea of money to those faiths because all it's ostensibly doing is communicating the very values that are coming from wherever you think they come from through the individual into the world without any loss of fidelity if you know in a properly integrated you know spiritual and economic actor let's say then there's no loss of uh communication of those values and so that you know and that basically what i'm saying like bitcoin then becomes you know like the rails for godly principles for divine principles because you're able to express them through yourself into the world and those then become the signals that orient and structure everything so i wonder if uh you know through the course of time as you say the uh, the opinion by religious face or whatever spirituality orients a person or a society will come to see a money like bitcoin much differently than before absolutely i and it also um in a sense precedes bitcoin um uh holzman has this book called the ethics of money production and uh, he leans heavily on the Catholic scholastic scholars, and they 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 didn't shy away from studying the issue of money and um, what what are the moral laws around money, and they very much came down in the camp of sound money uh, that um, you know the 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 government should not be diluting the money supply, um, etc. And so I, th I, th I think that there's, there's been with, with fiat, um, there, there's, there's this level of denial within religion, but, you know, obviously within the uh, church, uh, Christian and Catholic, like that they don't want to reexamine this issue like that they wouldn't want to raise it of hey look this fiat system is immoral and it's it, it, it's as immoral as any other kind of you know immorality that we would denounce or that we would um uh, highlight um and i don't know why that is i think that it's um maybe there's too many uh people who are 
profiting off of it that uh, it becomes untouchable and, you know, we can't talk about it or it's just too esoteric of a topic that, oh, fractional reserve banking, you know, why are we going to get into that? Um, but uh, Bitcoin forces the issue in the sense that um, now you, if you have to choose, right? Okay, now let's, let's take a look at the dollar versus Bitcoin, which is more moral or which is less immoral um and then it becomes uh, very clear that uh you know bitcoin is but um the other part is uh, you know earlier you mentioned that people bitcoiners don't want to mix in religion with bitcoin and it's interesting that um the fiat people have had no restraint there you know they put in god we trust on every dollar bill uh there they know that they can use religion as a tool uh to uh lend their scheme credibility uh and to to get buy-in from from a population that is uh, at the very least um you know god-fearing uh the uh, even if they're not religious per se um so I, and this is something I've struggled with. I mean, with my Twitter account, for example, that I have built up a following of people who are, you know, 50, 50, uh, between being religious and agnostic. And so if I put out tweets that are, uh, drawing, you know, parallels or tying in God with Bitcoin, um, that I do get, uh, you know, replies of, uh, hey, you know, this is uh, not okay. Stay in your lane, like, bro. Well, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's 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 my Twitter account. I can do what I want, but I also have to respect to the audience that I've cultivated. Right, that um, they 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 followed me because I tweeted I tweeted secular things, not because I, I tweeted something about God. Um, and so I, I do, in a sense, have to to, to respect that, and also that um, uh, if we really think. And I, I agree with kind of the overall thesis that Bitcoin is um, is bringing God to people or helping people, you know, come to God. Then um, it pragmatically uh, promoting Bitcoin without God is also promoting God, right? And so uh, there's um, uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting question, um, but. The, the other part is that like the Catholic church has never shied away from um, talking about like social justice, for example, right? That, and th these are heavily political things. And so they do, um, they do wade into politics and uh, you know, money being something that is political. Um, like I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that there should be as much uh, um, almost uh, like, I don't know what the right word is, but people not wanting to talk about it, uh, not wanting to talk about money uh, in, in a religious context. And obviously the whole enterprise runs on money, right? Tithing, uh, you know, you got to build this church. Uh, somebody's got to pay for it um, and so on and so forth. Uh, and we could talk about charity as well, which is uh, a topic that I've been uh, struggling with and thinking about a lot um, because I actually think that um, well, so my wife is Jewish, so I've, I've been 
also learning a lot about Judaism. I mean, obviously, as a Christian, you also learn about Judaism, but uh, there's, um, uh, you know, in rabbinical, rabbinical Judaism, there's this notion that there's different levels of charity and that the ideal form of charity is for you to give anonymously and for the recipient to not know to receive anonymously. Um, and although that's actually, sorry, that's not the, the ideal. That's, that's number two. Number one is giving somebody a job, uh, is employing someone uh, as the uh, highest form of charity, which I actually, that, that I, I, I do agree with a lot. And number two, um, I actually think that holding Bitcoin and saving fulfills that. That is that you're giving lots of people more purchasing power and you're doing it anonymously because you don't know who you're giving more purchasing power to. And they're receiving more purchasing power without knowing who gave it to them. Um, and so by saving and holding Bitcoin, uh, it seems like it's a selfish act. But paradoxically, I think that it's the second highest form of charity, short of going out and starting a business and employing people. Um, so that's uh, another uh, relevant topic in this area you know the the whole like money is a dirty word thing it's not just a religious thing i mean in in many societies today it's like money you don't talk about money you don't ask someone how much money you have you don't flaunt it you don't well i mean fiat culture kind of does flaunt it but you know what i'm saying like money is is secret yeah 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 and 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 it, it has for many people that sense of being like dirty to a certain degree and there's a certain part of like the anti-capitalist crowd that or the even the spiritual crowd i mean you know like I hate to shit on like the yoga people or whatever, but like, you know, they're, they're often very kind of, um, you know, a little bit anti-money. And I, I think that's no surprise when you have a money like fiat, of course you would have uh, such feelings about it. Cause it's a, it's an, it's an inherent lie. It's an, like when you spend fiat, you're handing them an obligation to be stolen from. You're like, here you go. Like I'm giving you money and it's guaranteed you're going to be stolen from. That's how much I respect you. You know, and so of course it carries this subconscious darkness or this subconscious, you know, critique within it. And I, I was in El Salvador recently, and you know, I'm, I'm, I hodl as hard as the the best of them. You know, I don't, I don't like spending uh, Bitcoin, or at least I hadn't up until that point. And I find myself in a place where, you know, if you want to buy a burrito, if you want to buy a, you know, a beer, whatever, it's like you can spend Bitcoin everywhere. And I got to say, I mean, not only was the transactional process way easier, you're not counting out coins, you don't, you're not doing the visa swipe thing, you just bang, you know, you scan a QR code. But viscerally, the, the feeling was different about giving someone Bitcoin in exchange for something that they had that I valued. And, and, and that the way that that exchange was constituted, I mean, it, I, I'm a crazy person when it comes to Bitcoin, of course, so this is going to sound nuts to a lot of people, but it found it, it felt like a kind of a sacred act you know because i wasn't giving them a liability i was giving something that i valued more than almost anything in the physical corporeal realm and inherent in all of that was a respect for them a value for their purpose for their existence like all that stuff was, was wrapped up in that and so i feel like as we progress towards hyper bitcoinization that the whole like money is a dirty thing and poo-pooed is, is going to rapidly uh, evaporate. And we're going to develop a far more uh, 
healthy relationship or respectful relationship, uh, an intentional relationship and understanding of money than, you know, we've ever had in the past, you know, like fiat money is something you just want to sweep under the rug. Don't talk about it. It's fucking horrible. You know, like, like so many other things that you want to reject or repress, but when you have something that has so much good in it, you want to celebrate it. You know, you want to, you want to elevate it and bring attention to it, not sweep it under the rug. And I, I think that's probably going to happen in the domain of religious institutions, in society more broadly. And even those yogi people, when they start realizing what Bitcoin is about, I think they're going to they're gonna celebrate it rather than, uh, you know, maybe ignore it. Yeah, I mean, it makes perfect sense that, um, you know, that it would, it would be in religious documents and that the yogi people would say, you know, money's the root of all evil or whatever. Like th- these, these themes would make perfect sense to me when it comes to fiat, you know, mm. that fiat is kind of, you know, it's more like power over, you know, mm. money is power over. And whereas sound money or, you know, Bitcoin, it's just power. You know, and, and there's nothing, there's nothing, I mean, the, the whole world exchange of value and accumulating value and creating value is, you know, fundamental to our human existence. So, you know, how could money be bad? You know, there's just no way that real money could be bad. Um, and, uh, and it's really cool to see. I mean, what, what a cool experience that, that would be, John, in El Salvador to feel like, you know, exchanging something like this felt sacred. Imagine if, imagine if, if, if all over the world, people start to feel that way about, you know, exchanging value with each other, trading with each other. Yeah. Again, again, another form of union. Totally. And that's what it feels like, right? You're, 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 you're interacting with your community. You're communicating something that's way more important and real than words, which is value and your actions uh, to people and you're, you're communing with them by using this type of money. And I got to say, like, whatever your feelings are about Bukele and, you know, all this stuff, like being in an environment that is rapidly, you know, Bitcoinizing, you know, it's still clunky and people aren't too sure about it. And there's lots of fuck ups happening, but like to be in an environment where you're swimming in that type of water versus the fiat water, like I came back to where I am and I just, everything was just dumb and icky. That's how it felt like on the cab ride, you know, home from the airport, because, you know, it's just when, when you realize uh, what it means to be on a, a Bitcoin standard and to to ex- to conserve and then express your value into the world with other people in that medium versus another. And what can result from doing that? It, it, it just get it your perspective changes, which is what we've been talking about this whole time. And that's just another way that it changes. It also goes back to like the definition of what love is, willing the good of the other. And I think that when when you when when you pay for something with Bitcoin, I I do feel that right the the willing of the good of the other that um, that it, it, as you mentioned when you give them fiat you're you're implicitly willing you know that they get devalued that uh and you know that's what's going to happen um and so with bitcoin it's like i know this is going to do good for you (laughs) and there's not any uh ambiguity um, to it i also i I bet the food tastes better when you pay with bitcoin as well one of the best burritos i've ever had in my life i don't know if it had anything to do with bitcoin but it was amazing 
I'll jump in there because I, I, I think, I think, you know, maybe, maybe what is connecting those, those things is that when we, when we spend a sound money, when we spend a, a money that is valuable and getting more and more valuable, you are really expressing a desire. You know, when you buy that thing, you got to really want that thing. And that's powerful because what you're doing is you're putting your true desire into the world. You know, you're, you're communicating true desire and that is so human and to exchange a true desire with somebody else is really powerful it's it's uh it's a way of saying you know this is this is what's most important to me you know and you put that out in the world this is what's most important to me here and, and what here and now and when people start to engage and interact with this is what's most important to me it's powerful yeah, you know, I, I've been talking about lately about how Bitcoin restructures your internal value hierarchies or systems of value. And again, most likely many ways in which it does that. And th this way may seem trivial. And I know that we all value Bitcoin for more than just its impact on our optionality or our, our wealth, right? Like, obviously, we're philosophically aligned. We want the whole world to be to adopt Bitcoin so that we can have a fairer, more peaceful, more prosperous. Like, so there's many elements to it, but just in the realm of value, like you were just saying, Bang, like I, I think it's, well, two things in a, in a practical sense like that, you might say, well, do I want the 100,000 sats or do I want the dinner at this restaurant? Well, the dinner may, it's gonna have, you know, better be a good dinner if I'm gonna let go of 100,000 sats for it, right? And, and so the way that you discern value because all value is comparative right and so the way you come you end up comparing value and then discerning it and then acting upon it changes and i think you know pierre is is uh is famous for his um relative devaluation of chairs and it's a great uh meme but i think it speaks to something that actually is happening in the minds of a lot of bitcoiners and that is because of the value ascribed to bitcoin and your desire to perhaps align more with it or have greater access to it that, pre that comparative process of valuation in your minds becomes so much more conscious and most likely intense uh, as a result of that. And so, you know, you, you might see frivolous things that you otherwise would have filled up your, your life or your home or your apartment or whatever with in the past. And now you have a far more in your face decision around value to make around it. And you end up saying like, well, no, I probably don't need that 15th t-shirt or that chair or that new this or that new that because I'd like to put more value into this basket over here, you know, in Bitcoin. And what do you know? Like a lot of Bitcoiners end up becoming more and more somewhat minimalistic in their material life and siphoning the, the extra surplus value into Bitcoin. And then what ends up happening is that the things that you do end up sacrificing your stash for the things you do end up expressing your value for end up in my opinion be having a greater concentration of transcendent value the things that can't be nominally priced let's say and so you might say well yeah i don't need the new tv i don't need the new chair i don't need all that like i can do without i don't derive that much meaning from those things but my health my family my relationships truth freedom beauty, nature, perhaps, whatever your thing is, but these are all things that are, 
they can stand, they're very difficult to put a nominal value on. And so I think those things just naturally end up getting elevated by having that sort of thing that's in your consciousness now that's helping you compare value more explicitly. And what do you know? It seems to me at least that a lot of Bitcoiners end up having those sorts of values orient their behavior more. I mean, you talk to a lot of Bitcoiners like, well, do you give a fuck much about like the flashy cars and the Lambos and the big houses and stuff? It's like, no, 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 no. Do you give a fuck, uh, uh, much of a fuck about truth and freedom and honesty and, and beauty and, and connection and relationships and family and health? Yeah, like a lot. And I, I think Bitcoin is, is somewhat having an influence on that. Not to say that those, that process wasn't at play before. Of course it was. But I think it's, it's amplifying or making it more explicit. And we're seeing the behavior align with that. Uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, the The self-denial of materialism makes room for something else. And the it is even stronger with Bitcoin than it was with gold because gold was still physical, right? Gold was still material. Um, Bitcoin is uh, words, right? 24 words. Uh, and... It is, um, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's not material. It's, um, it's information. It's, uh, dematerialized. And that I think is a phase shift, right? That's not 10% better than gold. That's a different category. And that by putting your monetary energy into something that is dematerialized, and in doing that, self-denying of material goods and services, um, you're 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 transforming your your interior, uh, and that I think uh, maybe that's that's what makes room for for religion in somebody's life, right? Um, and that's what brings them closer to God, such that they they can um, have uh, a spiritual experience. So. Um, you know, I, I I think that yeah, back to like the beginning of, of our conversation when I joined of what's causing people to what's causing Bitcoiners to be more interested in religion. I think the removal of materialism now now that you've brought this up so clearly uh, is uh, a I would say in, in reflecting on myself like the primary catalyst. You know what? I'd, I'd never thought about it in those terms. You know, I'd always been looking at it in terms of the assessment of value and how value becomes compared and, and you know, but though all those things of transcendent quote unquote value that I just mentioned are immaterial, right? And so perhaps the process of coming to value something that is immaterial and valuing so much like Bitcoin at least opens the door to the notion that you might value the things that are immaterial more so than any material thing you might otherwise value. And so, as you're saying, like maybe that made, makes Bitcoiners more receptive to the idea that the things of utmost value might be immaterial as well. Yeah. And, and this is something that like Jesus preached about is to, you know, let go of your material belongings um, because those things, they depreciate, they fall apart. They're not, they're not you. Um, and uh, I, I think that 
it's 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 weird because then to say oh you know put it into bitcoin then people are like well hold on you know shouldn't you also let go of your bitcoin but they're missing that they don't understand that bitcoin is dematerialized um they see it as an asset they see it as like you know stocks in a brokerage account bang did you have something um i had something that's gone now <laughs> Yeah, it's, you know, and I, I do think about that a lot again in these, I'm not sure if you were here for this part of the discussion, Pierre, but uh, Bang and I were talking about the, whether we go back as far as we have records or can, can discern any type of, of human activity and cultural activity, we have practices that attempted to commute, well, that attempted to uh, deliver a sense of non-individualistic consciousness to uh, members of the tribe or culture or what have you, you know, and this can be, I think you were here, this can be psychoactive plants, fasting, drumming, uh, exhaustion, poisoning, like all this kind of stuff to try to extricate themselves from an individual, you know, personality consciousness and one that's more perhaps unified as we've been discussing. And, you know, as you say, what can you, all of this stuff that you accrue to your physical self, you know, none of that is eternal. None of that comes with you. The Lambo is going to disintegrate and, and go back into the earth. Right. But the degree to which you can identify and then embody certain fundamental values while you're living, you know, and this came to me most clearly when uh, a friend of our, my family's um, like a friend of my friend's grandmother died. Right. And she was such a a lovely person, right? And every time you'd meet her, she'd be humorous and she'd be just exuding love and compassion and grace, that kind of person. And I remember when she died, like it, I was thinking about it and uh, went over and spent time with the family. And I could see those values that she held and refined and expressed through her behavior and action in all of the family members. And, you know, it was kind of the first time it dawned on me. I was like, oh, huh, like, she, the, the most concentrated essence of who she was is actually living on right through these people in her family because they're expressing the same love and the same compassion and the same grace. And, you know, in that sense, like those highest principles that we identify and align our behavior with and attempt to embody, those are the things about us. And you might say they aren't about us at all, right? Because maybe they're eternal and we're just kind of transmuting them in a certain way but we have the opportunity to do so. And so, you know, I guess they're inextricably linked to us in that sense, but those are the things about us that may be eternal. Like, you know, and this is going to be a stupid oversimplified example, but like you walk by someone on the street and you smile at them instead of just, you know, pan face. And maybe they end up being like, Oh, huh. Like there's some good people in the world today. And they end up having a positive interaction at work and that, you know, and it just reverberates and reverberates. And I think that's the power and the utility and perhaps why, we can even make the assertion that certain principles and values are fundamental because we can see their utility or the benefit of, of expressing them in the world. And I think that's been part of the religious enterprise throughout all history from the time of the first practices 250,000 years ago to the modern day where we have more sophisticated or formalized systems is to try to engage that process of like, what is the best way to engage this reality? And what does our observation of how we've engaged it and the results that come from it tell us? Or what can we infer about the grander structure based on those outcomes? And I think part of 
what I see in the religious enterprise is that that's been the process taking place and the refinement of process or the refinement of the process is what elicits certain assertions about what constitutes quote unquote God, what constitutes the mind or body or, or essence of God. And, you know, in my opinion, again, this is a non exhaustive list, but things like truth and honesty and freedom, liberation, sovereignty, beauty, like those are some that are way up there. And what do you know, those are the things that we, we can act out in our life. And they are the pieces of us that continue to propagate even after we're gone and every, every other aspect of the things we might have attached to our physical selves disintegrates and, you know, blows away as dust in the wind, you know? So I don't think I had, yeah. I don't, I forget my point there, but you know, no, it's just, great. Yeah. It's great. I love it. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and uh, yeah, it makes me think that like Bitcoin is the great distillation, you know, like it's sort of just, it's distilling, you know, it's this force of distillation. It's distilling everything down and the things that are extraneous, the things that aren't, you know, that aren't as vital, just will fall, you know, they, they'll naturally fall away. And it's really cool that you mentioned this, this funeral or this, this loss of life, because um, um, again, under my, my, uh, my overriding meme of uh, don't trust verify, it's like, um, you know, having an experience in some way and maybe this is why some you know bitcoin is also like or, or follow this thing of like you know hunting and hunting your own food or whatnot but the experience you can have um witnessing the death of something you know or 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 um you know seeing that something that was alive and vital is now not um just ha having that experience is powerful you know whether it's i don't know the squirrel in the park that, you know, a dog ate or, and seeing that, oh, this was something that was animated and alive and, and had life. And now it doesn't. And you just look at the, you know, look at the squirrel and be like, so now what, now, 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 now it's gone. You know, what was it? What was the, what was the inherent thing? You know, what was the important thing that that was there. Um, it's just a really, really cool experience to have that there was life and then there wasn't life. And so what is that life? Like, what is that thing that is filling, you know, these humans and these animals and this, um, I'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole here, but that's, oh, that's you know, good. it kind of, it sort of touches on like, what is important about life? You know, John, you, you touch on this a lot. It's like all this stuff that we've done and we, you know, all these, our species has evolved and all these changes over thousands of years, but like, where are we now? And, and why, to what end are we doing all this stuff? You know, like, what is it about life that makes life sacred, vital, important? You know, it, it makes me think too, that um, this, self-denial of materialism it actually it, it it saves you time because materialism is time consuming uh right maintaining your boat maintaining your sports car etc uh and um it's sucking the life out of you um and that if you free up your time then you have more time to um to 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 contemplate well the ultimate ends uh, and I think that that's how 
you, you declutter internally and, and you find your soul in there. Uh, you know, it might be pretty deeply buried, uh, but it's, it's there. It's in every human being. And it's, I do think that there's, you have to spend time, uh, to find it. And, uh, you have to like, let go of so much and, uh, whether it's internally or externally, um, and death can certainly help in that process, right? A, a death in the family or the death of a dream or, you know, the, a, a, a part of you dying for whatever reason. Um, but um, so can birth as well. And I think that having children also uh, certainly helped me uh, discover my own inner spirituality um, and I don't know that if I hadn't had children that I would be on the same path that I am now. Um, but not only do you see kind of the miracle of life, right, uh, manifest itself firsthand, you also start seeing them develop and you see the patterns that uh, emerge of, well, first of all, they're going to do whatever I do. <laughs> so I better uh, do, do good things. Right. Um, because we're, we, we want, we like, we love our children more than we love ourselves. Uh, and so like, we want their good more than we want our own good. Uh, it's kind of a, uh, uh, not, yeah, it's, it's counterintuitive in a sense. Uh, we would think the opposite. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I think that both, both life and death can be, um, ways to that, that wake us up. Yeah, I, I agree with those points. And you know, Bang, what you were saying um, about the squirrel and death, and and there, you know, I, I had a, a guy on the podcast a couple of days ago who is doing these leading these sacred hunting trips out of Austin, actually. You know, and and because another way in which it seems that this clarity and this reorientation of our values, however it's occurring in Bitcoin land has caused a lot of people to think, man, how I get my food is important, you know, for my health and my vitality. And I care about the life of, of the food I'm consuming and I care about how it impacts me. And I have a reverence for life and I, I don't think it should be taken lightly. And here's a guy who is, uh, bringing people back to perhaps uh, a more sacred approach to, to our diet. You know, our food is what sustains us. It, and if you're a good person and if you've integrated those values that come from Christ or, or wherever else, or your relationship to the, the divine, then you're a force for the expression of good into the world. You're a, you're a mechanism for, for that to emerge into the world. And don't you think the way in which you sustain yourself in doing that is of the utmost significance and importance then? Well, kind of, it seems like to me, and it seems like that's happening to a lot of Bitcoiners. And here we have, you know, these, um, uh, and they may be somewhat of an archaic revival, like a, a hearkening back to how we used to treat uh, our approach to food and diet. But there seems to be a lot of interest in that. And so it's all being recapitulated. And, you know, the, one of the reasons why determining one's values in relation to these most fundamental things is so important, bang to your point, it's like, you know, you, you see death, right? Whether it's a squirrel, it's an animal, it's whatever, a human being. And, and you wonder, how should I feel about this? Maybe it's not always conscious, but you're like, 
what is the appropriate way for this to affect me? And therefore, what's the appropriate way to act in its presence? And I, if you don't have a, a, a well-constructed and or thought out system of meaning and value, I think it's really difficult to determine the answer to that question. And I would, I would also suggest that in, an, in the modern world today, where the things that most orient those systems of value, so a relationship to the divine of some kind, let's say, or, or the highest values and principles, and how the values of everyone you're interacting with are transmitted, i.e. in money, our money, if those two things are not properly constituted, and if they're horribly suppressed and, and horribly constituted, then I think there's a lot of confusion around how you should feel. And I think we see representations of that in our culture today. It's like people are very uh, emotional, very reactive, very nihilistic. Like there's just not a great sense of what to treat as meaningful and what to treat as not. And so, you know, maybe we wind up in this morass of fiat culture where, well, I don't know what to feel or what to do. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to showcase you know, my dominance as much as possible, whether that's in the jewelry or the house or the lamb or, or whatever. And so I think these uh, ways of th this clarity around our values and our perspective is integral if we're going to know how to confront the circumstances that uh, constitute our lives and the, the most important circumstances or events, which is death, you know? And so when I, you know, I've only been on one hunting trip to bring it back to that particular aspect of things but you know I, I take it very seriously because i i want the sustenance but i know what i'm i'm face to face with the sacrifice that's required for me to get it and so i i really have to sort out in my own mind what legitimizes that for me like it can't just be like well i'm more powerful than you so i deserve it that doesn't really work for me you know but if i can if i can uh you know, convince myself, which is kind of a, maybe not the proper uh, term to use, but if I can put pressure on myself to be a greater force for good and honesty and truth and integrity and, you know, uh, freedom and peace or whatever in the world, then I can somewhat justify that I'm transmuting the energy as represented in the animal into my energy so that I can express those values with greater fidelity, something like that. But if you don't have any clarity around those things, I think you, it's way easier to quote unquote sin because you don't really understand why you're taking the actions that you're taking. And, you know, to sin is to miss the mark, right? It's to be led astray, is to do things for reasons that you're not aware of. And I think that's part of the reason why we find ourselves in the situation globally in terms of culture that we are in today. Um, um, I'll, I'll just jump in for a second. I think there's, you know, um, you know, this, this thing of like missing the mark is really important. Like that, um, that sin or transgression or, you know, buying eight Lambos. It's like, uh, it's, it's, I think it's really important um, not to push it away. Like th that, that actually these transgressions um that, that we miss the mark for a reason. And that, that actually, I, not that I would encourage people to quote unquote sin, but, but I would encourage you to like, I would, I guess I did, I would encourage people to like do what they want to do and, and the repercussions will come, you know? And so um, 
instead of, I guess, prescribing something, maybe, maybe that is a prescription, but, but in, instead of saying, you know, one thing is, is um, right, or one thing is wrong. I just think that, you know, our actions bring us our reality. And with that, generally, they will bring us some kind of pain. And, and that that pain is important, you know, that, that there's something really important about that pain. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I guess the important aspect of, of using that feedback properly is intending to use it, being receptive to it, being, uh, paying attention to it, you know, because as we said before, like the ultimate value or every value is a judge, right. And the ultimate value is the, is the judge that is the thing that's beneficially contrasted against everything. And that that's the backboard that you use that allows you to, to tease out the wisdom from the feedback you're getting, but you gotta be wanting to, you gotta be wanting to seek truth, I guess, to broadly speaking for that process to have a salience. Cause otherwise you just, you act and things happen as a result of your action and you don't even care. You're not even paying attention. So I agree like your action will be the greatest teacher, but I think you have to want to be seeking truth or refinement of some kind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the desire in there is important, or the intention is important. But either way, the pain's gonna, the pain's <laughs> gonna come. The pain's gonna come regardless, you know. And and it might take a while, but or it might, you know. But the pain will teach. One one way that people avoid the truth is to say, "Oh, you know, I feel bad about what I did because." I was socialized to feel bad about that. And this is actually society's morals that I was, you know, trained in that are causing me to feel bad about it rather than really, you know, having the honesty to admit that, Hey, this this is a, there's a higher power here. Uh, It's not uh, that you were taught that this is wrong. Um, It's that internally, you know, it is wrong and uh, you have to really break through that um the other part about death um that i think it manifests itself as is uh in terms of people not being able to cope with it is not wanting it at all and so we saw that with covid of like ah we we can't have any death or i even saw pete but a good judge or how are you say his last name Um, you got it you got it right yeah he he said uh i want zero deaths uh, from automobile accidents that's that's the goal and and then you know vegans who are like oh you know zero death with animals um because they that's they don't want to confront the truth right that that, that we're all going to die <laughs> uh and they they want to live in a fantasy land where uh we're immortal and uh, you know, maybe I don't know how y'all view the uh, the, the the push, you know, for immortality. That there are people who are, you know, researching this. And Hal Finney as well. He, you know, he was uh, cryogenically uh, preserved. Um, I think that's also uh, along this thread. Um, although I, I don't want to speak ill of the dead, obviously, but um, that uh, there is this deep desire to to avoid death rather than thinking about well. Maybe what's eternal about me is my soul, uh, and that's what matters. Uh, and and that would reorient everything about what I do in this life. Yeah, I, I think part of that is very much along the lines of what we've been discussing, whereby people vest almost all of 
their value into the material. And because if that's the case, yeah, of course you want to cling to every last breath and you'd be put in an ICU when you're 90 and you haven't, you know, you haven't known who your daughter was for 10 years, but at least you're breathing and that's, it makes it all worthwhile, right? You cling to every last little bit of material existence. But if you've vested value in realms or forms beyond the material and the transcendent and the immaterial, you know, the divine, whatever we want to call it, like you said, in, in, in the spirit or in the soul, then it's, it's far less of a, a thing to be clung to. It's far less of a dramatic thing, you know? And I, I don't think anybody knows what happens after death, but, you know, my own personal philosophy is that, you know, of course, what you see before you hear, you know, the, the meat sack and, and the name and all that kind of stuff. I mean, sure, of course that disintegrates, but is there an element of me that goes back to source that carries on that's not associated with any of the things that I would associate with my personality today, but which perhaps is a type of energy, a type of vibration, a type of resonance a something that goes back to wherever it came and then is imbued in something else, you know, at some point in the future, I'm, I'm pretty receptive to that, you know, that, 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 that makes some sense to me. And so to that extent, and then, you know, this is something I wanted to ask both of you. And it's very much along the lines of what we've been discussing, but given that, you know, given that perhaps life is an opportunity and, uh, determining the things of greatest value is, is very important in determining what that life looks like in terms of your actions and behaviors and the choices you make and how you respond to things and even how what your approach or you know to something like death is what is what is the best way to determine right action so let's say you have you know you have you've been refining your idea of what the most important values are, whether, you know, and whether a, a religious tradition has helped you in that effort, or Bitcoin has helped you in that effort, or mystical experiences have, has, have helped you in that effort. And you feel like you're seeing with greater clarity, you're grounding your perception in greater truth, you're properly, more and more properly oriented uh, to that which is of utmost importance or value. How then do you combine that with, you know, the conscious mind to, I guess, ultimately express what those values are. Because, and this, this is something uh, I mentioned to Bang before we started, but like, I think a lot of people in the world today, Pierre, um, they may call themselves, and this is, I, I'm, it's impossible not to offend people with this, but I don't mean to, but we're, we're just kind of speculating here. But I think a lot of people in the world today that would call themselves religious, uh, I think do so just the same way that another person might you know, support a, a sports team, although to a lesser intensity or something like that. But the proof is in the pudding, right? The proof is in how we act from moment to moment. And if your actions are not, are not reflective of the values that you uh, that you presume or, or believe you, you you attempt to adhere to in some way, then it's difficult to believe in the the veracity of those beliefs that you might hold. And so. I think our actions are a direct reflection of the truth of our values and the truth of what we believe. And so you can say you believe whatever you want, but your actions will, will be the final arbiter. And so given that, you know, as we all struggle with this reorientation and understanding the things of the utmost value and how they're met, they, they should orient our behavior, how do you guys think about determining right action 
you know, in that sort of circumstance. You or me, Pierre? Uh, I, I'm happy to go. Um, I, I think that um, I, first I, I, I would uh, object to, to, to the framing that, um, that essentially is, is that um, somebody who says that they're religious but sins is a hypocrite uh, it, or is, is being dishonest because um, I, I do think that there's, there's a process and cyclicality to it. Um, that is that uh, we, we are fallen, we are flawed, and that we do resist God's will. We do suffer negative consequences from it. We do repent for, for it and, uh, you know, beg for forgiveness and mercy. And uh, then, you know, we do receive that grace. And then it goes into a feedback loop of, well, next time, you know, are you going to do it differently? Uh, and uh, that uh, it's, it's a process of, uh, uh, of, of improvement uh, that, um, that, that we have to go through. So even if somebody says that they're religious, I mean, I, I guess I would expect them to be um, determined and, and, and uh, attached to that process rather than being morally perfect uh, in, uh, in every moment. Um, but in terms of what, what I would describe as being morally perfect, um, our actions, I think, all the time have to be in relation to God or in relation to other people. And that um, given that, uh, that then your, 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 your guidance should be that, are you doing this out of love for that relationship, for that other person and willing their good? Um, or are you doing it um, in to, 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 for, for your own ego, for your own, um, will and, uh, you know, even, uh, you know, destroying or hurting others. Right. Um, so I think that's, that's the way I would see it is that, um, any action you have, first of all, is it an action that, well, I don't think this question needs to be asked. It's always an action in relationship to either God or other people. And then given that are you doing it out of love and uh are, are is that is that the end that you're pursuing um or do you have other ends that are less laudable um but again always in that process that i i fall very short of that right uh not every action i take every day is done out of love for others and i'm always trying to um reflect and and self-examine and improve um, yeah, totally. I, I, I hear that. And, um, um, I, I guess I, you know, in my, my years, I guess my experience, um, is kind of in the other direction in some ways. I don't know, maybe there's no direction here, but, um, my experience is that, um, it's important to excavate 
because this this idea of you know being morally perfect or you know acting you know what is what is right action it's it's almost an impossibility to uh understand and embrace from the outside in i'd say it is an impossibility so my my experiences and and i feel you know sort of i guess maybe fortunate in, in this way i don't know um is that we need to um excavate um ourselves and and when i say that i mean like not not the not the the great part of ourselves but actually get to know the dark parts of ourselves that we need to know about sin that we need to really like you know that's not my favorite word sin okay but uh, but i'm using it that we need to know about how we miss the mark and we need to actually consciously go in there and know those things about ourselves and this is a whole nother rabbit hole that maybe for another pod john or whatever but but the more that we can, and again, this is just my experience, so I hope it doesn't come off as preaching or anything, but the more, I, the more that I found that I could explore the things that, that I was afraid of within myself, the more that I started to let go of those things. And, and the more that my actions and my quote unquote right actions became very instinctual and intuitive that they weren't something that I needed to cross-reference with something outside of myself, that they were actually coming out of me just naturally. And so I think that when I was wondering, you know, how to be, what I was searching for was um, a way to explore the things in myself I was afraid of, my lust, my greed, my sloth, my rage, you know, essentially my pain, you know, in some ways. And once I, once I started to, you know, delve into that world and, and find ways to safely explore those things and know those things in myself, then it's almost like the right action, just then you can tap it. It just taps by itself. I, I want to ask you a follow-up question because there's an interesting thing that both you and Pierre just um, brought up. But when you're doing that exploring and you encounter the imperfections, the undesirables, the, the darkness, whatever. What is it that allows you to transcend or overcome them? Go all the way. If, when you go all the way into it, you, 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 again, I shouldn't say you, I had the experience that uh, I had the experience of there's something more than it. It feels like it's everything. It feels all consuming. It, there's a fear that it is this thing that is dark and nefarious and all consuming. And then as you, as you go, as you, as I went all the way in, it's you, I discovered something underneath it. What's the something? Do you have any way well, of articulating love, that? Love baby. What, well, this is what I, I, I was kind of, but there's no at. shortcut, John. That's, that, that's kind of what I'm touching on is there's <laughs> oh, no, I, I hear there, you. there's I love, you. there's no love outside in. There's this thing of like, through this, there's the, there's the love, you know, that it, that it, and that's part, I guess, part of what my, my reason why I, you know, trust or don't trust verify. Yeah, no, I, I, I love it. I, I, I know what you're, I think I know what you're saying and I, I feel like I've experienced it. And the reason why I ask is because, you know, I've been uh, wrestling with, well, we all wrestle with our internal dialogue and circumstance and, and nature our entire lives. And some of us engage that more than others, but, you know, being a curious and inquisitive person, which I think probably characterizes the three of us to some degree, um, that's been a pursuit that I've been 
engaged in for a lot of my life. And it's only recently that, you know, this idea, and I'm not even, it probably comes from a religious domain ultimately, but you know, you hear it in religion, love songs, pop culture, whatever, the idea that love conquers all, right? It's kind of a fundamental, you know, axiom almost. Um, I never really logically or rationally understood it, let's say, explicitly understood it in, in a certain way. And I'm, I feel like I'm starting to, you know, and so any thoughts that I express on it are going to be very rudimentary, but it, it's almost like it's, you can, you can experience extreme pain. You can experience extreme fear, doubt, insecurity, uncertainty, you know, whatever those darker, less desirable vestiges. Hatred, lust, you yeah, know, like all that, go, all that kind of know. stuff. It's it's but, everywhere, you know. It's, right, it's, it's, but I, it's, I think it's usually unconscious. I think the importance of pursuing an understanding of like grander, fundamental, ultimate, absolute truth, love, those sort of concepts, is that you're able to then you know going back to this kind of comparative process of valuation that we've been discussing. If if you put up you know hatred, if you put up fear that you're experiencing to your understanding of or greater wisdom around love i feel like the latter trumps the former you know in in a very i mean of course this is super cliche but in a very um well in a very real sense like in in a very almost involuntary not that you don't have to have not that you don't have to engage that process but there's like a you know, the buck stops, as it were, like the, the, the final, in the final analysis, that uh, sense, feeling, force, understanding, maybe all of it together of love of, you know, and however we might try to put words on that force can dissolve the, the force of that insecurity, that fear, that hate, that, that whatever. And that's well, kind of, I, I mean, I think that's kind of what Pierre was saying Pierre was saying as well, you know, in terms of how it determines action, you know, with, whether it's interaction within ourselves, whether it's interpersonal, whether it's in relation to a, a higher power. Does that come that? Yeah, no, I, 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 I totally get it. I, I, the thing that, that, that sort of pinged when you said that was like, and again, what do I know? I don't know. Anything, but I just, I just, <laughs> I just know, my, I, I just know my life, you know, and, and, and I guess w w what I would say is like, that the love doesn't dissolve the other things, you know, that's that the whole thing is one thing, you know, like that it's not one side and then the other, but actually, you know, it's all one thing. But well, I agree with you, but the in, words in, the, in the sense of like what you experience, let's say like I'm, I'm extremely, I'm experiencing pain because of something that I can't overcome, let's say. And like, yeah, I, I'm receptive to the idea that it all is just part of the same whole ultimately. And that, you know, that is a unity or a love or something like that. But again, bringing it back down to the individual and how it orients our behavior and how we feel like something's got to give in order to us, for us to feel one way or the other, right. Or to act one way or the other. And I'm starting to, I guess, investigate for, for the first time, the very real, um, very real power of love but you know like how how that uh that truth or that concept can help to encounter the aspects of ourselves and the aspects in others that um are less 
desirable, less, less pure, less optimal, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I can feel the intention, you know, I feel, I totally feel the intention and, the, and then, you know, the, the, the beautiful power of that intention too, you know. We'll uh, bring it back down to earth for, for, to, to take it maybe into the home stretch here because we've been uh, somewhat esoteric, but, you know, one, one of the things, I think part of the genesis of this conversation was a recognition of you know, the religious impulse emerging amongst a lot of Bitcoiners and kind of what to do with that. And this question is for, for Pierre, but, you know, and I, I think, again, I mentioned before you came on that it may be the case, in my opinion, that religion is a constant development. And as, as language evolves, as meaning evolves, as symbolism evolves, as landscapes evolve, the physical, the digital, all that kind of stuff, then the landscape of meaning and representation evolves along with it. And we become more able to represent what may be fundamentally latent truths or ideas uh, that have always been there, but find greater expression as our ability to express expands. You know, and, you know a very perhaps simple uh, representation of that notion would be you know, an idol from 200,000 years ago, which is basically a stone with like a couple eyeballs and a mouth carved into it and it's meant to represent a goddess perhaps the earth goddess or something like that all the way up to 10,000 years ago where it's a little bit more sophisticated and then 2,000 years ago where it's dramatically more sophisticated and are we is that a process that's unfolding that increasing sophistication around our ability to represent the most meaningful ideas that that we have available to us and of course this this is tied to uh, my uh, idea or feeling or curiosity around whether or not we're engaging in a process here as the first time we're a globalized world with something like Bitcoin that seems to be a representation of these fundamental ideas and are we thus participating in once again refining our ability to communicate these fundamental values and principles and ideas but as a I guess as a part of that do you think that the religious institutions of this day that were developed, you know, pre-globalized world that were developed as they were. And then in many cases, not to say that there wasn't tremendous benefit uh, that ar arose from them, but in many cases, the institutions and the people that stewarded those institutions have been corrupted over the years, whether corrupted by the state or corrupted by their own uh, lust for power and that kind of stuff. Do you think as institutions that steward what may be the fundamental or a or fundamental truths, are they redeemable in the modern world where I think they've been discarded and discredited so much because of that corruption? It, are we able to redeem them in their former form or must they necessarily evolve into something else to be uh, accepted or engageable once again? Yeah, um, well, I think that any anyone who uh, has studied or is a part of the Catholic Church would readily admit that uh, it is made of humans um, who um, do sin and who are not perfect, um, and the what 
what I look for though is um, did they corrupt the message, right? Not so much did what was there, you know, individual corruption within the institution or the institution do bad things, but did the the message and you know by the message I would say like the catechism of the Catholic Church, right? That book that has like here here's here's what we believe here's um our dogmas right um was that corrupted and um i've i i've i've read quite a bit of it uh and i feel very strongly unequivocally that um by the grace of god that has not been corrupted and that they are um at, at the core still have um the truth and um that it's actually phenomenal to me that you would have an institution go through the course of history 2000 years and it's um there's they're still like carrying this torch uh despite being humans being flawed doing horrible things along the way um so i i think that it um that I think what Bitcoin does for uh, institutions is that it makes it easier to be good. It's going to make their lives easier. Uh, it, and so um, it is very much, uh, you know, um, lifting off the, 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 the corruption of fiat and yes, there will be other sources of corruption. I mean, human flaws and whatnot. Um, but just lifting that off their back, I think, will make it easier. And the proof I would, or the the evidence, the data I would point to is under the fiat standard, the world has become far more atheistic, far more secular. And I don't think that's a, um, I, th I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that it's because fiat has made the job of religion so much more difficult and that if you remove that then we'll see things go back to um you know uh, the or even swing further from the equilibrium that you know perhaps we had in 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 the 19th century where like everyone was religious basically right and that being an atheist was countercultural. Now being religious is countercultural, right? That uh, people are surprised. Oh, wow. You're, you know, you, uh, so um, it depends where you live. I mean, here in Texas, it's not, not like that. But um, so, yeah, I, I think that um, organized religion will, um, will has, has, in the future, it will be even greater than it has been in the past. Um, if if that makes sense. Yeah, makes sense. Bang, what do you think? Um, I think that the 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 ethos and the that which sort of lies underneath, kind of again, quote unquote, religion. I think that will will grow, you know, um, exponentially. Uh, under a Bitcoin standard. Um, but I think that, that, I mean, I don't know, again, what the fuck do I know? But, but, but I think that or organized religion won't like my, my guess is my guess is that, you know, that's organized religion won't, but we will still, 
you know, we will organize our, you know, higher divineness, you know, somehow. I, I don't think it'll take the traditional sort of form of organized religion, but, but, uh, but I do think that, you know, under a Bitcoin standard that, um, you know, there will be much more divine, you know, people will touch the divine in their lives a lot more and, and, uh, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's gonna... yeah. So I just want to quickly respond to that, which is that I think that um, because it has been harder to be spiritual, it has been harder to don't trust, verify, and rule, organized religion has fallen into the, the bad inclination of saying, here's what you should believe rather than saying, here's what we believe. Um, and that I think organized religion should, should be the result of don't trust verify that, Hey, we're all individuals who have, who, who know God, who love God, and we're coming together, uh, to celebrate together, you know, much like Bitcoiners go to Miami for Bitcoin 2022. See you guys there. Um, but that it's, um, it, 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 you know, we're, it's bringing us together in that way. And rather than being an institution that is um, trying to indoctrinate, right, or trying to um, uh, say, hey, trust us, you know, you don't need to verify this because, uh, and I think the reason they do that, though, is because they think that by lowering the cost, right, uh, that they can have, that they can grow. Um, and, uh, I think that's, that's false, right. That, um, it, it, but, uh, that that's why I think that organized religion has gotten a bad rap lately. Yeah. yeah I, mean, my... I, I mean, I go ahead, John. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you go. No, I was just going to say like, you know, I, I would echo that people will naturally, I think it's just an, it's a natural function of our species to commune, you know? Like yeah, we, we all no one wants to be by themselves. No one wants to feel alone and isolated, you know, and and when you commune with others and you recognize, you know, yourself and in, in someone else, that is the power. We, we, you know, we are talking about this is what union is, you know. So Yeah. And, and, and make no mistake for a certain for certain among us. And I'm definitely in that category. Last year at Miami was very much of, of that. You know, there was a group of people that, you know, stayed in the conference hall and listened to all the speakers and stuff, but out in the grounds where, you know, a lot of us were just hanging out the whole time. I mean, it was very much a, a type of communion, you know, where you, just as you said, bang, just like that. And it was such a beautiful thing to experience. I, I can't wait to uh, experience, it, experience it again. But my, um, <clears throat> just to provide my own uh, maybe prediction on what's going to happen. I think uh, the truth will continue to emerge in ever uh, higher fidelity or, or greater form. And seems like Bitcoin is, a, is playing some kind of a role there. And I think because ultimately the truth is sacred that we will have more sacredness in our life and we'll probably contextualize that in different ways and we'll ritualize that in different ways. and communicate it and celebrate it and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know what happens to all the world's organized religions and how they morph and change or, or what the uptake is like as a result of being on a Bitcoin standard. But um, I just think we're going to get more truth 
and we're going to get more sacredness in our life. And, you know, as weird as it sounds, these sort of conversations are very, are part of that initial process of, of discerning how that process unfolds. Because I think for a lot of us, this is fairly new territory, but we realize that it's happening and it's important and, and why not try to consciously engage it to some degree, you know, recognizing that a, a portion of it probably won't ever be subject to our conscious engagement. But um, I think we've been doing this for, we'll bang three hours, Pierre, two hours. You guys have any final thoughts or words before we shut it down? I mean, that, that feels like a great place to leave it. Um, just selfishly before we shut her down, I just want to say, well, thanks to you both, John, you and I are kind of like, you know, new, but, you know, I think there's something, uh, I, I definitely feel as, you know, kind of a brotherhood with you. So I'm really grateful for what you do and, and everything, you know, that you're, you're taking on. And Pierre, I want to say, well, it's the first time we met, but uh, I just want to say thanks to you because five years ago, you were, you know, you and Bitstein, you guys were, um, you just really had an impact on me um, five years ago with the, the way that you talked about this thing and the way that you did it. And to this day, you know, I'm seeing you on the screen and I'm like, your humor, you know, that you got this sort of twinkle of joy in you. And I really felt that um, with both of you, you know, five years ago. And it, and it really, you know, it really helped, helped me sort of take the next step and the next step and the next step. So I'm grateful to you, man. Well, thank you. I, I um, that, that warms my heart and uh, makes my day. Um, Speaking of Michael, I'm, I'm actually uh, going to have the joy of uh, spending a couple of days with him uh, next week, just the two of us, uh, and uh, looking forward to that. Well, uh, maybe well, we'll, we'll I was going to say, <laughs> do, 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 do something good in the world and just turn on the pod. Yeah, yeah. We'll just start recording our dinner conversation. Yeah, why, why not? Why not? Looking forward to that. Um, and um, yeah, I, I think that um i I've, I've i've felt um i guess a little bit lonely in that um you know uh there's there's not it feels like sometimes there's not a lot of uh, people to discuss this kind of topic with and to discuss it in a way that is you know it's pretty nuanced right and it's a very sensitive topic um at you know religion money politics these are the things we're not supposed to talk about, you know, in polite conversation so um, that we can just engage in it and have really different points of view, um, but also find so much commonality. Um, I, I think that's, that's really nice. Uh, and uh, I, for anyone listening, you know, if they ever want to reach out and talk about this, I'm, I'm always game. Um, I'm still very much learning and, uh, just trying to figure all this out because it is very in a sense overwhelming uh but um it's it's um you know nothing could be more important right uh so uh thank you all for for organizing this i i couldn't agree more nothing could be more important and i have a sense that uh this will be the first of many conversations between the three of us and and maybe others so Thank you both for taking the time and for being open and sharing your thoughts and opinions and stuff like that. And uh, I wish you well and can't wait to see you both soon. Ditto. See you guys. Have a good one. Yeah. Bye. All right.